It's episode 412 of Monster Kid Radio, the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not-so-classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your writer, host, producer, Derek M. Cook, and I want to welcome you to the show by introducing you to a cut from the album Broadcast from the band Tsunami Experiment. They're a surf band based out of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and their new album Broadcast is now available on Bandcamp at tsunamiexperiment.bandcamp.com. The entire album is just one track, a little over 20 minutes long, and this is a particular cut from that long song that they sent us and gave us permission to play on the show. Really appreciate that. There is a lot to do on the show this week. You know, I keep talking about Monster Bash. I love Monster Bash, and, well, I can't get enough monster bash and because of that i invited ron adams to join me here at monster kid radio this week to talk a little bit about what's coming up on monster bash but really ron's a friend and i just wanted an excuse to chat with him so i gave him a call we talked a little bit about monster bash we even play around of the classic five but really we talk a lot about the premier monster kid convention that happens every year in pennsylvania and Oh, it's a good conversation. Now, we also have Kenny's Famous Monsters of Filmland segment that is related to Ron. So stay tuned for that as well. We're going to end the show with the final expert analysis segment for the 2019 monster movie madness here on monster kid radio if you look in the archives or in the feed or the website over at monsterkidradio.net you'll see that we've had three episodes every day this week leading up to today in which we are talking about the bracket for the monster movie madness steve turek and i put that together and the conversations that have come from discussing the brackets has been fascinating. We've had Rich Chamberlain and Jeff Owens on. We've had Christopher R. Mim on. And we've had Kyle Yount on. Our final expert to discuss the South Division is Joshua Kennedy, which is kind of ironic because Ron and I ended up talking a lot about Josh during our conversation. So Josh is going to be here with Steve Turk, and I'm going to play that at the very, very end of the show. Before that, but after the Ron Adams segment... We got feedback. My wife, Brenda, is going to join me to go over two listener emails. And, you know, we'll even talk a little bit about our cats because that's what we do. There's a lot of stuff here happening this week at Monster Kid Radio. And one of the things that I'm most excited about, and I know some of you guys and gals have already seen this and have already supported me with this. I finally released an ebook. I've been meaning to jump on the independent publishing train. Uh, highway. I, I've been meaning to publish something, and now if you have an ebook reader, if you have a Kindle reader, whether it's a Kindle tablet or the Kindle app for your smartphone or your laptop or some other tablet or your computer, you can now download a collection of short stories that I call Monster Hunter for Hire, Supernatural Solutions, The Mark Temple Case Files, Volume 1. This is about 20,000 words or so. It's a handful of short stories featuring a character named Mark Temple, who hunts monsters. Go figure, since that's in the title. Anyway, check it out. I'd be really interested to hear what you guys and gals think of it. It's $2.99, but it's also part of the Kindle Unlimited program, so if you take part in that, you can read it, well, for free. You can find a link to that at my personal writing website over at monsterkidwriter.com. Dot com or go to tinyurl.com mt monster hunter that's m is a mark t is in temple 
Monster Hunter. TinyURL.com slash MTMonsterHunter will take you straight to the Amazon listing, at least for Amazon US. You can get it in all the other Amazon stores around the world as well, but you'll have to look that up for yourself because I don't know what those links are, but I know they're out there. Anyway, that's happening with me. That's happening here at Monster Kid Radio Central, and there's a lot more happening coming up right after this. Here, stark terror grips you in underwater 3D in Creature from the Black Lagoon. The most terrifying monster of the ages rises from the sea, raging with pent-up passions. Making every man his mortal enemy, every woman's beauty his prey. Creature from the Black Lagoon in 3D, starring Richard Carlson and Julie Adams. Every horrifying scene leaps out of the screen right at you. A universal re-release rated G. In 1972, American TV networks canceled 12 TV shows for crimes they didn't commit. These shows were promptly forgotten by the public and faded into obscurity. Today, Chris Cooling researches these shows for a podcast. If there's a TV show that no one else remembers, and if you have earbuds, maybe you can listen to Forgotten TV. They come from an incredible planet of apes. They survived a war beneath the planet of apes. Now it's Earth 1973, and you're in for a surprise. Are they friendly visitors or invaders from the future? Why does the president's advisor want them shot? What is baby Milo's incredible secret? All the surprising answers are an escape from the planet of the apes. All new from 20th Century Fox, rated G all ages. Escape from the planet of the apes. Hello, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. This week, we have a special Famous Monsters and Me. It is no secret to Monster Bashers that our guest, Ron Adams, was influenced greatly by Famous Monsters. Today, I want to take a closer look at Ron's first issue. The issue that started a lifetime of monster kiddom that has been a boon for monster kids everywhere, with an online store, FM-like magazine, and of course, the Monster Bash. The famous monsters that started it all was FM 56, which was published July of 1969. On the cover was a beautiful portrait of Boris Karloff as Frankenstein's monster painted by Basil Gogos. In bold letters around it, promises of a special double issue dedicated to Boris, who had unfortunately passed earlier that year. The inside cover had one of the last photo portraits of Karloff hanging on to his spooky reputation to the end as he has a menacing look covered by shadows. The first words Ron would have read were from Forey Ackerman's editorial entitled The King is Gone, Karloff's Call to Death's Domain. Here's what he had to say. The greater world grieves and draws closer together in a time of tragedy. 
the loss of a Kennedy, of Martin Luther King. So we in the special world of fantasy share our sorrow and try to comfort one another with words as we think of the deeds of our departed hero and mourn his passing. This has been a rare, strange time for me. All day, the first day, the phone rang. An FM fan called me all the way from Wisconsin. I talked to Robert Block, George Powell, Ray Bradbury, cabled Christopher Lee. In the ensuing days, the deluge of mail came, till tears trickled from my mailbox. There is something I can't explain to myself. When Lon Chaney died in 1930, I was 14 years old and had seen all of his pictures since I was seven. Hunchback, Phantom, London, Monster, Unholy, etc. He was my boyhood favorite, yet for some weird reason I have no memory of his death, of having been shocked to read about it in the papers or hear about it over the radio. Of course, we had no TV yet. But with Boris Karloff, the loss is heartfelt and acute, and multiplied manifold times by my sense of participation with you, all in a common heartache. There was no film monster magazine when Cheney died, something his fans and friends could turn to for a memorial. We are blessed that FM exists so that we can turn this entire issue over to a tribute to Boris Karloff. And this is not the end of Boris Karloff in our pages. There will be more, much more, about him in our next issue, and beyond. He gave us 50 years of his life and 155 pictures. We can no longer say, O King, live forever. Instead, will you join me in your heart and beam this thought into the great beyond? O King, love forever. The issue continues with cover-to-cover Karloff, including comments from Lon Chaney Jr., Christopher Lee, Vincent Price, and others who worked with Karloff. There are several reprints from older issues on Karloff and a complete filmography. There is also a detailed film book of the classic 1931 Frankenstein with many rare pictures from the classic film. Finally, there are articles by editor Forey Ackerman and publisher Bill Warren about times they spent with King Karloff. This was an interesting, bittersweet introduction to famous monsters for young Rod Adams, but it obviously had a major impact on his life as he has dedicated it to paying tribute to Karloff and his pals, Lugosi, Cheney, and all the rest of the classic monsters with childlike energy and fascination to this day. If you are a Karloff fan, it is a must-have issue to seek out a beautiful tribute to one of the greats. I would like to end this look at FM 56 with a poem sent in by a reader, Mary Ellen. A lonely, cold, and whistling day that closed the wind-swept world in gray. This a day for the children of Poe, and for those who dream of long ago. On this day has died a king, who wore no crown or royal ring, who ruled no kingdom and had no command, except the power of a gentle hand. No matter how frightful his disguise, a love for children shone through his eyes. And in return they called him king, king of monsters, but no sting did that title strange contain, only honor for his reign. The reign is over, the king is gone, but from the past his works live on. Masterpieces do not die, in them he'll ever be nearby. And in the night above the towns, a full moon shines on English downs. The one, the only, King of Monsters brings you the Demon of the Atomic Age. Boris Karloff as Frankenstein, 1970, carrying on the hideous experiments of his infamous ancestor. 
In this stone sarcophagus, deep in the bulls of the earth, he buried his creature, his creation. Frankenstein, 1970. In the hell pit of his centuries-old castle, he perverts the terrifying wonders of nuclear science. This gets you some eyes to unleash a horror beyond all imagination. What kind of dealings do you have with the director of the morgue? Are you interested in corpses? Even the cyclotron concealed in his subterranean vaults cannot complete his foul creation, for which he must have throbbing vital organs transplanted from living beings. Two people are missing, and I want to know why they haven't come back. Mr. Rowe, I imagine, would have us suspect foul play. Chris Karloff as Frankenstein, 1970. In January of 1974, the American Broadcasting Company brought forth on this continent a new sitcom, conceived by Gary Marshall and dedicated to the proposition that the 1950s were awesome. That sitcom was, of course, Happy Days. It ran for 10 years and 255 episodes, casting a long shadow across American popular culture. Week after week, millions thrilled to the adventures of Richie, Fonzie, Joni, Potsy, Ralph Mouth, and the whole gang from Milwaukee. Hello, friends. I'm Joe, and I'm half of the broadcasting team behind These Days Are Ours, a podcast dedicated to all things Happy Days. Together with my co-host Emily, we'll be exploring the series episode by episode, breaking down the themes and telling you what it all means. You can join us on this journey by visiting thesedaysareours.libson.com. Just like the original Happy Days, we'll have new episodes every Tuesday. Be there or be square. Coming from gooey films, an adventure like no other. From the mind of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Watson! The year is 1896, and Sherlock Holmes faces his most peculiar case yet. The mystery of the six Napoleons. Thank you. Come, Watson. The game is afoot. Joshua Kennedy as the master detective. A new and exciting Sherlock Holmes. I dare call nothing trivial, Watson. Nothing. You'll remember how the dreadful case of the Abernethy family was first brought to my attention by the depth, depth which, which the, the parsley, parsley had sunk into the butter on a hot day. Yes, yes. We all know what you did. Bessie Nellis. Dr. Watson's most beautiful portrayer. It is clear that the possession of this trifling bust was worth more in the eyes of our strange criminal than that of a human life. Jonathan Danziger as Inspector Lestrade. Amy Ziliax as Mrs. Hudson. 
also starring a cavalcade of great talent. Jake Williams, Tracy Thomas, George Chapper, Michael Rosenfeld, Will McKinley, Mark Holmes. Yes, it's quite humorous if I do say so myself. Well, there it is. The Return of Sherlock Holmes. See it in Gooey School. Hi, this is Joshua Kennedy, director of Attack of the Octopus People, Dracula AD 2015, and the Vesuvius Experiment. You're listening to Monster Kid Radio. Enjoy. Monster Kids, there are some magical times of the year for us. There's Halloween, of course, but then there's also this summer's Monster Bash, and there's still time for you to buy your tickets, and if I haven't convinced you to go yet, this guy... He's going to convince you to go. It's Ron Adams. How are you doing, Ron? All right. Hi, Derek. Uh, doing fine. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing great, except I'm getting more and more excited every day. We get closer and closer to uh, that, that magical weekend in June. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's going to be. It, it's already the pre-sale uh, for admission on this is just exploding. And I'm sure, uh, well, there's twofold. One, of course, uh, Joshua Kennedy's film, which you and I were talking about earlier, and uh, and then the fact that we've got Rico coming, you know, the last living classic Universal monster, and uh, along with him, Ginger Stanley, who was his underwater partner, the creature's girlfriend underwater. So between that and House of the Gorgon, it's really exploding this year. So I'm, I'm excited about it, although I'm also uh, nervous because there's so much work to be done uh, behind the scenes that has to be done. It's, it's always like uh, looming over me that this has to be done by this time. This has to be done by that time. But it will. It all. It always happens. You've always put on a good show for me. So, you know, I, I have the utmost faith in you and the Monster Bash crew. Well, we're happy to have uh, Monster Kid Radio uh, right up front and center as people enter Monster Bash, too. So that'd be great. And I, I've seen recently, I was looking through photos from uh, last June. And, you know, there were numerous photos of you interviewing folks and stuff, which is really great. I'm looking forward to it. That, that's a wonderful spot to be because I get to see everybody coming in and then everybody leaving with a big smile on their face. Well, just a wonderful time to, to be uh, a monster kid with everything that you're providing everybody at Monster Bash. You mentioned House of the Gorgon, and we've got the four hammer legends lined up to be at monster bash as well the four hammer legends that are in the film we've got veronica carlson martine beswick caroline monroe and christopher neem yeah yeah they're, they're all going to be there it's, uh, it'll be great we have you know hammer legends and also all in this uh new film that's uh kind of a tip of the hat to to hammer from uh, joshua kennedy you know speaking of josh when was the first time you became aware of him and what he does do you remember <laughs> Oh, I do indeed. It was uh, it was great. He was at, at uh, one of the bashes, and he he swung by and said hello to me. As he always does, he's such a a vivid personality. He you know he caught my attention. And then after that particular monster bash, and I'm you know all of the monster bashes are in one big blob to me. I can't remember which one exactly it was. But after the bash, I got an email from him saying, hey, I met you. And I remembered, okay, I remember meeting him. And he sent me a link to this video he had done. And he is such a talented guy. It was hysterical. It was him at home singing about what a monster kid he is. And 
it just showed like his life at a home and right down to like his bathroom where there's like, um, I forget what it was. It was like a toothbrush with Christopher Lee on it or something. <laughs> and it just, all it did was spell out totally to me. This guy is like totally, totally in on the whole uh, classic monster scene. And then we, you know, chatted and it was just, it's been a, a good friendship ever since. <laughs> I haven't seen that video. I've seen everything else on his YouTube channel with the, the bit where he's singing to Martine Beswick and, yeah. Uh, this was a while ago and it, he was, he was younger and it, it is just very, very funny. <laughs> you know, it is stuff that he does personally. It's just, he's got such a great sense of humor and to sidetrack a little bit. I don't know if you have seen it, but he did a short called the St. Augustine monster. Oh yes. And for a short little thing, he totally took the whole cabinet of Dr. Caligari thing and then mashed it into HP Lovecraft. And it's just a phenomenal short film that looks like a, a silent film. I, I highly recommend. We played it twice at Bash. If anyone gets a chance to see the St. Augustine monster, uh, Joshua just went above and beyond on this. I know it didn't cost him a lot because he shot it all at, at home, but it is phenomenal. I mean, really, really good. And and it just he's really a talented guy. You know, I'm honored to call him a friend, but I was a fan before I became a friend. I, I've watched pretty much everything he's done, and it's just been amazing to see the growth. And when he decides he wants to do something in the silent film vein, it works. When he wants to do something that's a little bit more Harryhausen-like, you know, it works. And then this hammer thing, oh my, House of the Gorgon. <laughs> if I haven't whet your appetite enough with the number of times I've played the trailer here on the show, <laughs> it's phenomenal. And you were saying that you've seen little bits and pieces. He's been kind of teasing you a little bit, too, along the oh, way. Oh, yeah, yeah, just just chunks here and there. And, uh, yeah, it, it, I'm looking forward to it. And, and what's neat about Josh is no matter what project he's on, including House of the Gorgon, his enthusiasm just spills right through. Whenever I usually send him something, hard copy mail, he gets the charge as I usually address it to Joshua Kennedy, mad genius. And he really is a mad genius. He's a, you know, a young Orson Welles type guy that just can do it all and do it with enthusiasm. And he's got such talent. So uh, he's, the three cheers for Joshua Kennedy. Yeah, so uh, I don't know if he's blushing yet, but uh, yeah, I love what he does too. So. Okay, can't you block him off your channel? Uh, well, you know. <laughs> he's trouble. He's trouble. <laughs> now he's throwing something at the computer. Hey, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Just kidding. We love you, Josh. We love you. And uh, we'll see you in a few months. Uh, with House of the Gorgon, it's making its world premiere at Monster Bash. There's been a couple sneak previews here and there uh, along the way. But I know Josh, and I mean, you know Josh, he's been tinkering with it ever since. And he actually just sent me something a couple weeks ago and asked me, you know, what do you think? I made this change. So he's going to be playing with it up until the very end. And, uh, man, it's going to be so much fun. I I've seen the movie. I've said this repeatedly 30, 40 times now working on the sound and the sound effects, and I don't get bored with it at all. I mean, I, I still love it as much as the first time I watched it, and I can't wait for people to see it. Uh, the sound effects work uh, that I've done, it's just a teeny tiny part of what you're going to experience with this thing. And then you've got the four leads, the four hammer leads at the bash as well. Have all four of them been to bash before? Not Christopher Neem. Uh, Veronica has probably been with us uh, probably four times. Caroline, probably four or five times. And Martine at least twice and maybe three times. It's, 
It's, it's hard for me to remember, but two or three times for Martine. But uh, I think this is probably her third time at Bash. And uh, Christopher Neem's first time. And then we're, we're going to have, right before we do the uh, premiere on Saturday evening at Bash, we're going to have Joshua on stage with the cast. And they're going to talk about things and maybe give you a little tease and things to look for and stuff. So it'll be, it'll be great. If anyone's looking for the schedule for Monster Bash, the, the whole schedule is up. If you go to monsterbash.us and then click on schedule, you can see like hour by hour for the three days, everything that's happening. And uh, Hospital Gorkin is right at Saturday night for the premiere. Yeah, I saw that there's going to be a, a Q&A with Josh as well. And only if you knew somebody, you know, a podcaster who likes to bring his recording equipment everywhere he goes, that might be able to, I don't know, record something and, and you know save it for posterity, you know. If only you knew somebody like that when you do the Q&A. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder who we could talk to. <laughs> uh, House of the Gorgon is going to be uh, one of the big highlights, but you are always showing movies at Monster Bash. You can't walk by that movie room without being drawn in for a few minutes to see what's playing on the big screen. What are some of the other movies that are going to be showing? Uh, I don't know. We haven't decided. No, oh, okay, I'm okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just whatever, you know. Uh, Y'all know we we have a pretty pretty much a movie to kind of represent you know everybody uh, you know a movie with Carolina and oh we're doing the Gorgon the Hammer original film also we have Chris Yeaworth coming and his dad Irving Yeaworth was the director of the Blob Dinosaurs and the 4D Man and the 4D Man is hitting its 60th anniversary this year so Chris is going to be doing a special introduction to the film. Because he was on set. I mean, he was a, a tech guy and did a lot of the gopher work, a lot of audio, and a lot of uh, just a lot of different things behind the scenes on the film itself. And so it'll be nice to have Chris telling us a little bit uh, from the other side of the screen what was going on for the 4D man. You know, we also had uh, Tom Weaver brought up to my attention that he uh, had obtained a copy of The Monkey's Paw, the rarely seen 1933 version. And, of course, if you don't know who Tom Weaver is, most people probably listening to this podcast probably know. But Tom uh, is a you know writer, historian, done many, many, many books. He's always unearthing interviews and interesting things. And I'm hoping Tom's going to do a, a bit of an introduction for the film, too. But we'll be doing The Monkey's Paw from 1933. There's uh, different versions, but this one is uh, its really cool because it's, it's very rare. Yeah, that one I've not seen before. I'm looking forward to it. You know, there'll be lots of films, lots of Q&A sessions, lots of special features. Of course, our regular features like the cake on Saturday night where we have giant sheet cakes in the lobby for everybody. And then we have tacos and burritos on Mexican Monster Night, which is Friday night. We pass those out free to all attendees. And uh, cartoons on Saturday morning at 8 o'clock, just like when we were kids. We screen uh, cartoons on 16 millimeter, thanks to horror host Son of Ghoul's collection, and he'll be there to screen them, and we'll be passing out free boxes of cereal to everybody for uh, Saturday morning. So lots of stuff on the schedule. You mentioned a few things I want to comment on. Uh, 4D Man, up until yesterday, I, maybe I'm a bad monster kid, but up until yesterday, I had never seen that film. I DVR'd it when Sven Gulli had it on last weekend and watched it yesterday while doing some chores around the around here and just got drawn into it. I adore that film. It was amazing. So to see it there with a crowd, with a group of monster kids, and to have Chris introducing it, 
that's going to be a treat. That's going to be something I'm looking forward to. Yeah, when I was a kid, I got to see it. It was, believe it or not, it, it played on a 4:30 sci-fi theater from Channel Nine WOR out in New York. Uh, so after school one day, that's when I first saw it. I was probably, I don't know, probably 12 years old when I saw it first on on TV at 4:30 after school. I liked it then. I thought it was so cool, you know, where, where his hand got stuck in the plate of metal. And um, <laughs> and then years later, when it came out on DVD, and I looked at it from you know a different perspective many decades later, and what jumped at me was the interesting music score, which is like a jazz score, very different. It's kind of like this uh, traditional jazz music for the score of the film, and it's it's pretty cool. Oh, that's one of the things that I loved about it. And, you know, some people didn't seem to like it. I posted on Facebook that I, you know, I'm just watching this now and I love the score. And some people are like, well, I don't know. But to me, I mean, I thought it was great. It was unique. It was, it was jazzy. You know, it was a lot of fun and I just had a blast. So I can't wait to see it with people at the bash. That's going to be a treat. I think, I think if people haven't seen the 40 man, they need to. Yeah. And another thing that involves Tom Weaver, this is actually even cooler is he's bringing, we played it once before at Monster Bash, he is bringing the film The Return of the Creature. Uh, and are you aware of this, uh, Derek? Do you know what I'm talking about, Return of the Creature? Man, I saw it before when he played it there before a few years ago. And yeah, it's, it, <laughs> it was, it's, it's just such a rare oddity. The crew members of Revenge of the Creature, while they were shooting that film, they made their own kind of like satire called Return of the Creature with a goofy gill man suit. It's a neat little like 20 minute film that the, that the cast did, or the crew did during the filming of Revenge of the Creature. And uh, they did it as a joke to play at the wrap up party for the movie. And then they, they played their creature movie and Tom latched onto it as he was talking to one of the uh, widows of someone that was on the crew and she uh, got him a copy of it, and so he'll be bringing that to Bash again. So that'll be really, really great for fans to see. I'm looking at the schedule now, and that's playing on Sunday, and it's a fun. I, I don't know where anybody else is going to be able to see this unless you go to the Bash. It's it's a short little, you know, kind of fun, like you said, satire parody kind of thing, and watch it, you know, at the Bash because it's just. It's fun, and, and I love Creature. I think everybody knows that Creature is my favorite film. So any extra Creature stuff that I can get, I'm going to take. And Tom Weaver's a great guy. Yeah, oh yeah, and he has done so much for the you know for the field of of uncovering things. It's really great. Besides Tom, we're always really happy to have uh, these great great writers in our field. Uh, Tom Weaver, and then a Greg Mank who'll be doing a, a Laird Krager talk, and Frank Delastrito, who is just a uh, tried and true uh, monster basher. He is, uh, and he's written such great, fun books. And it's always great to have him uh, at Bash too. And we're, we're just, and Deborah Painter. We have a great lineup of uh, historian writers that are all over at Bash, and super to see them do presentations. It's really neat. Uh, Frank's a friend of the show. He's been on the show before, and I, and we've had Greg on the show too. They're both phenomenal. You know, speaking of creature, you know, Frank's doing something about creatures, and we're doing a talk about creature from the Black Lagoon, from what I understand. But you mentioned Deborah mm -hmm. Painter, and she's somebody that I'm not overly familiar with but when i saw her name pop up on the schedule especially in association with the movie riders to the stars my interest oh, right, was, right my interest was peaked i love those three films the osi investigations films that trilogy the uh, magnetic monster riders to the stars and gog and 
Unfortunately, yeah. I don't know much about them. So I'm looking forward to her talk about it as well as watching Riders of the Stars, which I think is the hardest of the three to see uh, normally. Yeah. And, and yeah, she's, she's such a nice woman and she really digs deep. And it's, it's neat that she has investigated uh, the films of Ivan Tours, which is really cool. So it's, it's neat. That's going to be neat. And to go back to Tom Weaver, he's going to do his famous brain twist, the, the quiz that he does. Oh, man. Yes. <laughs> uh, he, uh, it, you're at Bash, and you, um, you raise your hand to be in it. Get ready. Hang on. He makes it fun, but it is you really got to know your stuff. And uh, it's fast-paced. It's, it's a quiz show. Just it's really a, a load of fun. The brain twist uh, quiz with Tom Weaver at Bash. You'll, you'll uh, go home thinking that you haven't watched enough monster movies after seeing that, but it doesn't matter because there's so much fun to discover. Man, and yeah, yeah. That's not the only uh, quiz type thing going on here this time around. Is there another like game showish kind of thing happening too? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Our uh, staffers uh, Tom Shabilla and Leonard Hayhurst are doing a, a, a new thing that they came up with. What's my monster? kind of like a, a, a twist on the uh, what's my line. I think they're going to be taking people from the audience and uh, they'll secretly let Tom and Leonard know what their favorite monster is. And then they'll play the the game with the, with the whole audience with guessing the monster and, uh, you know, trying to narrow it down. Those guys are very, very funny. Tom and Leonard are just, what a team. They're just funny, funny guys. They've both been on Monster Bass staff for like 15 years. They make everything fun. And uh, so their they're, um, What's My Monster game show will be late on, I think it's Friday night, but it'll be, it'll be a late night uh, jolt in the arm for uh, <laughs> laughs and for learning for Monster Kids. So that's happening on Friday, and then the brain twist uh, with the Humweavers happening on Saturday. You know, I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes for people to find the schedule for themselves. But there are so many things on here, so many highlights. You've got a Fu Manchu movie playing, which is phenomenal. I mean, it's Boris Karloff as Fu Manchu. Can't wait to see that. Just all the stuff you've got on here. You're going to be showing The Lodger. You know, going back to Larry right, Kudera, right. wow, that movie is underrated, and he as an actor is underrated. That one, solid film, scary. What a, what a tragic life, and, and yeah. um, I know that Greg Mank is going to get uh, deep into uh, talking about Laird Krager. Whatever he was in, he was in only a handful of movies, but uh, he, was, he was just phenomenal. Just really great, and, but a guy that struggled in his personal life really uh, a lot. So, yeah. But a great, uh, a great story that uh, Greg Mank will fill us all in on. Yeah, he left us some pretty amazing films, and I think The Lodge is one of the best uh, that he was involved with. And man, I'm, I'm getting more and more excited as we're chatting here. I'm starting to lose focus. Like, oh, I can't wait! <laughs> it's going to be such a good <laughs> oh, time. Zach Zito, have you have you stayed up late enough to see Zach Zito's live theater at any bash, Derek? I stay up as late as I possibly can. I've always heard it's a good time, but I've never quite oh caught that one. Yeah, Zach does. Uh, sometimes he does it solo. Sometimes he uses some of the guest of honor to be involved. But he does live theater. It will blow you away. When you meet him in person, he's very soft-spoken, very super friendly. Uh, but when he's on stage, he just evolves into this phenomenal actor. He's usually uh, has done a lot of Edgar Allan Poe stuff, which is great because he really can uh, get into the grips of insanity live on stage. And it's, it's amazing 
that uh, he can do it. His, his memorization and acting skills are just phenomenal. So uh, highly recommend if you're a bash, try to eke out or take a nap and stay up for uh, late night Saturday for Zach Zito's uh, performance. I need to stock up on sleep. I need to sleep for like a week before the bash so I can just go all weekend. There's so much stuff happening. I mean, you've got things going up to like one thirty, two o'clock in the morning some of these nights. I don't know how you do it. Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, uh, myself and the staff always joke about it. it is just uh, an endurance test. Uh, it really is more like four days for us of no, almost no sleep. I, I get about two to three hours a night through the bash uh, because things a lot of times do an end to like two, three in the morning oh, man. Uh, by the time the programming is over. And then I'm back up to get things rolling by seven in the morning the next day. So it's, wow. it is quite the endurance <laughs> test, but it's fun. It's fun, and we and I'm glad to do it for people, and uh, it's nice to bring everyone together. I've mentioned to people before, when we were kids, whether it was reading Famous Monsters or, or whatever magazine or, or, you know, or watching TV horror hosts, we knew there were other kids out there just like us. And until the age of the Internet, you know, you really didn't connect, and now it's like all those kids that we knew were out there when we were 8, 9, 10, 12 years old – we now can all get together and actually physically be in the same place watching monster movies and just talking about this stuff we love. You know, that's a big part of the Monster Bash experience. One of the best things for me is also just being there with my fellow monster kids. You know, just, just having this instant community pop up over a weekend and hanging out at that hotel in, in the lobby area and just chatting till two, three, four o'clock in the morning, uh, having meals with your favorite monster kids, your fellow monster kids. It's just an amazing experience. And I think I've used the word amazing about 50 times so far during this conversation, but it's such <laughs> an amazing experience to get together with people from all across the world, really, and just come together and celebrate this thing that we love so much, this monster kid thing that we adore so it's the brothers and sisters that we never got to hang out with when we were kids yes I mean, because you can walk down a hallway stop anyone and say hey did you ever see the uh, george zuko movie fog island and most likely they're going to say yeah <laughs> you know i mean where else can you go uh, you try to do that in a, in a Walmart or a mall. Uh, <laughs> you just can't do it. <laughs> but a Monster Bash, you can talk about George Zuko. You can talk about Dwight Fry with anybody in the hall. And, and everyone knows exactly you know, what you're talking about. It's like, wow, I'm home. <laughs> yeah. And if they don't, they're excited to learn about it. And they're, they're going to let you tell them yeah, all about absolutely. George Zuko or, or Dwight Fry or Craig, Laird Krieger or any of these guys. That pe oh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a wonderful place just to learn about you know, some of these monster movies that we may have missed as well. You know, like I said, I just saw 4D Man the other day for the first time. And, you know, I mean, there's plenty of movies out there that I haven't seen yet that I'm looking forward to experiencing at the bash. A new movie for me is locating something from the 30s or 40s and saying, wow, I've never seen this. And to me, that's the excitement of a new movie uh, is finding some oddity that has slipped by me. And it's like, wow, this is great. You know, it's, it's super. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's why we get along, Ron. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. <laughs> now, uh, let's see. We've talked about a handful of the people that are going to be there. But Sharon Moffat's going to be there as well this time around. Oh, yeah. Sharon, I don't know if I told the story before when I was on your show, Derek, but um, Sharon is such a unique situation 
uh, I'd always loved the body snatcher and I hadn't seen any of her other films since then I have, but I'd always loved the body snatcher and I was trying to get her for monster bash. And I knew her brother was Greg Moffat from robot monster. Uh, so I had contacted Greg about coming to monster bash and I said, what about your sister? And he says, she's beyond that. She doesn't, she doesn't want to talk about old Hollywood. And I said, oh, man. He says, people have asked her before. She just has no interest, doesn't want to do it. And I found that, you know, she had become a minister. And it's not that she didn't care about it, but she just didn't really acknowledge her past as a Hollywood young actress. Uh, I talked to Greg back and forth, and then he, I just kept on it. And, he, and finally got her to agree to come to Monster Bash. And at this point, I said, okay, do you want me to get you two on the same flight? Are you in the same city? Or do you know what airport she wants to fly out of? He says, she she lives about 10 minutes from your show. She can just drive. I'm like, she was right here. She lives like (laughs) 10 to 15 minutes from the Monster Bash Hotel. So all these years, I'd wondered about her and, you know, was trying to contact her and she's right in our own backyard. So we're happy to have, she's, she's always happy now to come and, uh, she was blown away the first time she came to Bash. She couldn't believe that people cared so much about the, the old films, and now she's happy to accommodate and talk to people. And she has got a terrific memory of being a stock player for RKO back in the 40s and has all these great memories from uh, the actors and behind the scenes. She's just a wealth of information and a treasure for us fans of movies from the 1940s. That's amazing. Yeah. And to have yeah. her like 10 minutes away, 15 minutes away. She was yeah. Right there. Like, who, who, who figured? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to be flying her out of LA. And it's like, oh no, she lives. <laughs> she can just drive over. <laughs> she told me when I talked to her then on the phone after this, she goes, oh, I'm always shopping up in Mars. That's why a lot of times I do my grocery shopping. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's that, so wow. if you miss your monster bash, just hang out at the local grocery store. You might run into it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we have some new guests coming in. We have some of the mainstays and, and some of the traditions at Monster Bash. Uh, I mean, there are traditions for me now, too. And I've only gone you know a handful of times. But, you know, you've got to have the monsters we've known and loved on Friday. We've got to have the new wine song. Uh, these are all oh, things that yeah. are still happening, right? We're, we're not going to miss out on these, are we? Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, the, the festival of the new wine song, and uh, I'm sure a lot of your listeners know, is, is from Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, the uh, festive song that is sung and, uh, and then drives Larry Talbot crazy when the song talks about living forever and he, he stops the song and screams that he, you know, I, I don't want to live forever. I want to die. Well, we kind of like tribute that. And we started it years ago. My wife actually encouraged uh, staffer, Bob Pellegrino, but she heard him singing it one time when we were watching Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. And she said, you need to do that at monster bash. And so now at midnight, it, it really kicks off the lively festivities at midnight on Saturday uh, where he sings the song and we've got him now to wear lederhosen and <laughs> dress up like like in the movie and everyone <laughs> just gets such a hoot out of it. Uh, and then we right after that, we, we do the, uh, the free prize toss where we, uh, we have 
it's usually between 600 and a thousand dollars worth of merchandise. Some of it's just little cheap fun stuff. Like we got when we were kids, like little rubber monsters. And some of it's like Blu-rays and hardback books. We just toss them out to the audience. And I always have to, to announce the disclaimer. If you don't want to be hit by something, you must leave the room because <laughs> this stuff is flying. We have the whole staff on stage just tossing all this uh, free stuff out to attendees for coming to Monster Bash. It's quite quite the scene. It's it's a it's a madhouse, packed packed movie room. There's probably six seven hundred people just jammed into that room, and uh, we're tossing out free stuff. So you might get hit by something, but it's free. <laughs> I'm amazed at the the quantity <laughs> of just monster <laughs> fun just flying across the room. Uh, there's a picture on your website from uh, one of the. Uh, prize toss is getting ready to start and just that room gets packed but there's so much stuff it's hard to leave without having something landing in your lap (laughs) (laughs) and you can look to see what was missed and is on the floor all around you like oh there's a dvd there's (laughs) 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 but uh we also are doing uh the awards that we always do we have our monster bash uh lifetime achievement awards and i think you're quite aware of that Derek. (laughs) you broke me last year with that (laughs) Yeah, well, people that do terrific things to help support classic monsters and just to keep the whole genre alive, we like to take note of. And it's not like just me deciding who gets these things. I kind of am the final filter. But over the year, people email me or write me letters or call and just say, hey, can you put this person on the list? And so I just start gathering this huge list. And then uh, myself and some of the close staff members go over the list when we get close. We try to pick, we try to narrow it down to like four or five people uh, for each year because the list is always, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 people that have been suggested. And they're, they're all, they don't go on the list if they're not valid. They're all, we just have to try to narrow it down each time because we can't let the award ceremony go on all night long. <laughs> but um, not only are we doing the Monster Bash Awards this year, but also, like we did last year as well, Dave Colton will be by to do the Rondo Awards as well. So we'll be doing the Monster Bash Awards and the Rondo Awards at Monster Bash. I have my foray sitting on my shelf behind me, looking down on me as I produce Monster Kid Radio. <laughs> Watching over the Monster Kid at work. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, so the foray is what the, the Life Achievement Award is called. and. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't. I didn't think I was going to bring it up in this conversation, but you brought it up. So uh, again, just thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, well, hey, you 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 get out there so much to so many monster kids. It's one of the great media's in our niche genre, and you you do such a great job at it. So we appreciate it. Every every monster kid out there appreciates it. No, I I, I appreciate that. Uh, the the awards were given before the prize toss. So while all my friends were jumping up and trying to catch things being thrown in the audience. I was just sitting there like, I've already got the best prize here. So I don't, you know, (laughs) I don't need anything else at this point. Uh, I am excited to see who takes home the 4 this time around. Do you have your, your uh, winners picked yet? Or are you still kind of narrowing down the list? We've been doing uh, mailings, which is a whole other story. We do hard copy mailings and yeah, we pretty much have narrowed it down this year to, we, I think there's five is what we came up with. So, and they'll be revealed on Saturday night at Monster Bash. Uh, but we do these mailings. Uh, you know, of course, there's the internet and email. 
but I still do hard copy mailings as much as I can uh, because believe it or not, uh, and they're not listening right now to, to this because <laughs> there, are, uh, there are a ton of fans that are older and they just aren't. It's surprising to me how many people write me that say, I don't have a computer. I don't, I'm not on the internet. So we still do hard copy mailings. Uh, last year we did 11,000 this year. I, uh, just because the expense I had to cut back, we just mailed 6,000 out. So hopefully other people will see about it on the internet. And, but I, apparently so, because our, uh, pre-sale for admissions is just exploding. Uh, yeah, but we, we sit around, there's usually about 10 of us from the staff, just, uh, folding, collating, doing good old fashioned hard copy mailings and discussing the different nuances of monster bash that we'll be working on. Wow. So. I've embraced the, the podcasting, you know, technology and, and all that, but there is just something visceral about having, you know, a, a letter in your hand or a package uh, from Monster Bash, you know, whenever you order something from your website and or when you send out the confirmation for what's happening on Monster Bash. There's just something exciting about having it in your hands, you know? So, you know, I, I love my technology, but I... I love that too. Well, that's kind of like uh, magazines. Too, oh yeah. Because as much as I love everything on the internet, it's still a monster magazine. I still love to just to page through it. You know, I'm sitting here right now in my office, and I'm surrounded not just by Monster Bash magazines, but all kinds of magazines that I collect. You know, there's something about being able to take it, walk outside, and, and sit up next to a tree and just page through a physical magazine. So I think there's room for everything. You know, it's all this wonderful glob of pop culture monsters. <laughs> so you, you just said the word blob, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say that a presence that we're going to miss this year will be Wes Shank, uh, the, the caretaker oh, of the yeah. blob. It looks like you do have a tribute planned to the man. We, we lost yeah. him, unfortunately. Yeah, um, Judy Shank, his wife, will be there. Oh, good. So it'll be nice to have her there. And uh, Wes, I don't know an exact number, but at least 10 times he was at Monster Bash. He was almost uh, you know, a regular and uh, almost at every bash over the past 15 years. And great guy, always willing to share, and uh, we tragically lost him this past year. Yeah, he was incredibly uh, gregarious and friendly, and if you wanted to look at the blob, no problem. Step right up, take a look. He was a wonderful guy, so I'm looking forward to that tribute. Uh, just to kind of give a little bit of a, I don't know, honor the man, I guess, is, is where I'm going to go with that. Because uh, yeah, he was a wonderful yeah. guy, wonderful guy, and he did great work. I mean, he we'll was. We'll all miss him. Yep, yep. And there always is a, a little tribute that you do uh, there as well to some of the people that we've lost over the years. And I know I'll be there uh, holding back tears when Julie Adams' picture shows up on screen. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, not, not to bring it too down, but, you know, I, I appreciate that you also honor those who have left us, you know, and they're, they're Gone still, before. Exactly. Yeah. But they're still alive in the movies. I mean, we still have the movies to enjoy and the memories that we make at Monster Bash with them. I called it one of the most magical times of the year, and it really is. I mean, it is an experience that every monster kid should have at least once. You're talking about, yeah, people just coming and having such a great time. This morning, I always try to think something different to throw on the Monster Bash conference Facebook page. And today I, I did something really, usually I'm just promoting by, you know, talking about one of the, uh, the guests or just like we were here talking about house of the Gorgon. But this morning I decided to just look for pictures 
of people laughing and smiling at Monster <laughs> Bash. So I, I strung like 35 photos in a row on a, on a post on Facebook of just fans having a wonderful time. It was a joy because I'm just flipping through the computer, zipping down through photos. And it was easy to find that many because there's, it's like everyone is just having a great time, smiling and laughing. And they might be next to a someone dressed up as the creature, or they might be just hanging with other Bash friends laughing. And so it was, it was really nice just to see all these faces laughing and smiling at Monster Bash. Oh, yeah. One of the things that I like to do, uh, not just at Monster Bash, but here on the show as well, and I'm not going to let you get off the show without doing it. We have a game that we play called The Classic Five. Have we done this with you before, Ron? We can't remember if we did it last time. You know, I I have a vague memory, but shoot. Okay. So The Classic Five, you know, I call it a game, but really it's a conversation starter, as if you and I need help starting a conversation. Uh, But it's (laughs) a deck of cards here. Each one of these cards has a this or that, which movie do you prefer style question. It's all about classic Monster movies there are no wrong answers ron are you ready to play the classic five i'm ready all right here we go give me one more shuffle give my deck of cards one more shuffle here and here we go card number one right off the top ron what's your favorite mummy movie the mummy's hand uh, oh, do really? you need reasons or just the just the answer no I, i'd love to hear why i go against the grain on a couple of classic films and that's one of them i do like watching the karloff movie the first film which most critics just love Mm -hmm. and i am a massive lon cheney jr fan but i picked up mummy's hand because it to me it has everything in it it's got humor it's scary when you see the blacked out eyes of the mummy it's adventurous and it's humorous and it's it's just got a wonderful feel it moves right along and it just jumps at me. I love The Mummy's Hand, which I, I'm sure might not be a favorite with other fans. But for me, it, it just makes it. I love The Mummy's Hand. Well, I wasn't expecting that. That's great. I love it, too. I think it's great. And, uh, you know, when you mentioned that, it's like, but that's not Karloff or Lon Chaney. But you're right. Tom Tyler as Karis the Mummy is just frightening. And, and what John Fulton, the special effects guy, did to his eyes oh, yeah. uh, on a, just a couple brief scenes it's creepy because uh, he was obviously, I guess, just trying to black the eyes out, but it's like moving animation blackness on his eyes. And it just freaked me out as a kid. And I still, it still freaks me out. Right on. All right. Card number two. Ooh, what's your favorite John Agar monster movie? Boy, I, I like, a, I like a whole bunch, but okay. Just to pick one, I'll try not to think about it too much. Brain from planet Eris. Ooh. Uh, because he is just, when he's possessed by the alien, he is about as evil as it gets with those weird, look like they're extremely painful contacts he was wearing. Um, <laughs> and a friend of mine uh, who's a Bash staffer, Ed Watson, he brought up to me once. In fact, I think he's going to be doing an article for Bash magazine here about what would happen if the movie didn't end. What happens to the characters? And he brought up that movie to me, The Brain from Planet Eris, and he said, think about it, all the ramifications. Agar's like killing people <laughs> like <laughs> in airplanes, but it ends happily, like everything's okay now, the alien's gone. But in real life, it would be like uh, an army of lawyers and, and lawsuits and people go in the jail. And, and he pointed out that like a lot of horror movies are like that. Think about, it. okay, it's the end, everything seems like it's resolved. But what would really happen? <laughs> and, 
<laughs> it would be a nightmare of litigation and people going to jail and <laughs> that you know that you think <laughs> it, it, it's kind of a funny concept to think about and brain from planet era fits right in with that but as far as Agar, I'm, I love a lot of Agar movies, but that just jumps at me because I, I like to watch it. It's fun. Oh, he's phenomenal in that. That When he goes evil in that, oh boy. And where else can you see a German shepherd possessed by an alien? <laughs> Good point. Good point. <laughs> All right, card number three. What is your favorite Karloff Lugosi Universal collaboration? Um, well, believe it or not, I, I, most people probably might say the Black Cat, but. Uh, but for me, it's it's the Raven, just because it's kind of a I don't know if a role reversal, but Karloff is uh, more subdued in it, but but creepy with that nasty makeup, and Lugosi is so wonderfully over the top when he's like laughing out of that little window, looking down at Karloff, <laughs> or the scene where he goes. Poe is avenged. It, it, it just makes me smile. He's so crazed in it. And Karloff is so good in it and becomes the hero. And I'm sorry for the spoiler, but, um, <laughs> and tragic in it. Uh, it, it, it just got both of them at their best at what they do. Karloff being creepy, but eliciting sympathy and Lugosi just ramping it up to 110. Most people go with like uh, the Black Cat, like you said, or Son of Frankenstein. But no, The Raven is one that I haven't watched in a while. Now you're making me think I, I have to go put it in when we're done recording here. Yeah, it's really the best of both of them. And it just shoots to my mind when you mention that combination. All right, card number four. Uh, oh, it's about Hammer Films. Which Hammer film could use just one more sequel? Just give us one more. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm going to be way off of what people might expect. I'm going to go away from Dracula and Frankenstein. Oh, okay. And uh, I'm going to go for what no one probably would choose but me, because I love it so much, is The Abominable Snowman of the Himalayas with Peter Cushing. Wow. I would have loved more of that because I love that film. I can watch it daily. I just love that movie. It's subtle. Cushing is just outstanding in it, and so is Forrest Tucker. You know, I do have a fondness for snowy, isolation-type movies uh, like that and Lost Horizon and The Thing from Another World. But I love that uh, Bombal Snowman of the Himalayas, and I would have loved to have seen another one. Huh. Well, that's, um, yeah, again, off the beaten path, but wow, that would be really neat to see, especially with the big reveal at the end when you realize what they really are. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. to explore that more. And Forrest Tucker in that film, I know it's it's Cushing's film, but Forrest Tucker in that movie, you might know him as, you know, a comedic type actor from television, but he turns in one heck of a performance in that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he's just a sideshow kind of... Um, yes, yes. ...anti to, to Cushing's uh, character. They both work so well in that film playing off of each other, the characters being so different. And uh, if you didn't have that, the movie wouldn't be nearly as good uh, because it creates that yin and yang, you know, back and forth. And uh, and then I just love the whole s setting and I love the isolation feel of it. Mm -hmm. And it's just a great movie. I just, it's not talked about a lot because I guess maybe it's not your typical hammer monster. And it's not color, which a lot of the hammers really jump at you because of the color. But uh, it's it's a great movie. Sure. All right. Final card. Final question. What classic monster movie would you show as part of a double feature with the original King Kong? 
I hate to say the obvious, just because, uh, which would be Son of Kong. Okay. But I'll go with that. <laughs> and I think Son of Kong is the poor stepbrother that gets stepped on way too much. And I've told this to many people in discussions about Son of Kong. If you can, and it's hard to do this, it's very hard to do it, but if you can imagine there not being King Kong 1933, Son of Kong is a phenomenal movie. But you have to be able to separate Kong because it's just such a classic, a blockbuster classic. But Son of Kong is this wonderful little movie with wonderful Willis O'Brien animation and great characters. Helen Mack is fabulous in it. Robert Armstrong is great. It's a great little movie. It is so overshadowed by Kong that people just think it's, oh, it's no good. I, I don't need to watch that. Just watch it on its own sometime. It is a, a, a bookend or a compliment to the, the King Kong, but it, it gets so overshadowed and so, I don't know if, I, if we denigrated such a, uh, a powerful word, but it deserves more than it gets from critics just because it's a, it's a neat, fun little movie if you take it on its own and then realize it's part of the whole you know, follow-up to... And it kind of ties in with what we were just talking about, about what would happen when the movie ends, because there you are in the beginning of Son of Kong, Robert Armstrong's being litigated. He's holed up in his apartment because there's like a zillion lawyers in New York trying to sue him. So it is kind of realistic in that sense, and he's trying to escape all the tragedy that happened from King Kong. So I'd have to go with the obvious and throw Son of Kong in there next to the the fabulous King Kong, which sure. is one of my favorite all-time movies. Most people either go with like Son of Kong or, or Godzilla comes up quite a bit, too, when I ask that question. Yeah, uh, yeah. But Son of Kong, yeah. you're absolutely right. It's underrated. And when you think about it, they rushed into production on that, and they put that out. Right away, right after King Kong, there was no, yeah. there was not a long, yeah. you know, pre-production period here. They hit the ground running and cranked out, like you said, a, a pretty phenomenal movie that is fascinating to explore what happens, what happens to New York after King Kong falls. You know, what what happens to Robert Armstrong's character? I mean, he's hiding, he's on the run, basically. He's trying to keep away, one step ahead from all the lawyers. It's great. It, it's a phenomenal film. And if you, if you made your question into a triple feature. Mm-hmm. Before King Kong, I would run the most dangerous game oh, yes. made by pretty much the same crew, which is a great little movie that was made to help finance King Kong, mm-hmm. uh, made quickly. But it's a great movie, The Most Dangerous Game with Robert Armstrong and Fay Ray. You know, Robert Armstrong, I think, doesn't get enough credit as uh, the strong actor that he was because in Most Dangerous Game, I love his character in that so much. <laughs> Yeah, the drunkard brother. And yes. Great stuff. Oh, it's and, good. And I don't know exactly, uh, I don't know enough about Robert Armstrong, but it, it's kind of sad that even after the blockbuster of King Kong and Son of Kong, he really is relegated to a lot of smaller roles and kind of almost almost felt bad for him in the Mad Ghoul, where he's just, you know, he's killed in the Mad Ghoul. <laughs> and he, he's such a, almost a minor character. 
And it's like, wow, this is the guy that rocked in King Kong. Well, that was the Classic Five. Thanks for playing with us, Ron. Uh, we will have the Classic Five uh, decks at Monster Bash. I'll have a handful of them available for sale. But, of course, I'll also be playing it with anybody and everybody who wants to stop by the Monster Kid Radio table to play a round of it. I'd love to, to see you and meet you there and record with you, maybe even put you on the show. It's just something I can't wait for. You know, I'm looking at my calendar now. I'm like, it's too far away. I, <laughs> I want to go to Monster Bash now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank you so much, Derek, for having me on the show. MonsterBashNews.com or MonsterBash.us. I'll make sure there's links in the show notes to both of those. You can also get to CreepyClassics.com to find even more information about what's cooking at Monster Bash Central. They have a store. They have an online store. Not only can you buy your passes for Monster Bash there, but you can check out their DVDs, their magazines, their VHSs. Yeah, they have VHSs, toys, Blu-rays, just all sorts of really neat stuff. It's like an online captain company shop. Those of you in the know know what I'm talking about. Anyway, I would love to see at Monster Bash. I know Ron would as well, even though you might not see him because, like he said, he's always running around like crazy. But I'd love to see you. Monster Kid Radio is going to be set up right at the front. You can't miss the table that I'm going to have. And I would love to see you. Ron, thanks for making Monster Kid Radio feel so welcome at Monster Bash. And thanks for joining me for this episode of the show.
your eyes. <laughs> For on the day you look upon them, you will surely die. House of the Gorgon. Why don't you let us alone? Get back on your train and leave us alone! Rumors circling around. Uh, Mysterious happenings at night, uh, strange noises emanating from the dark. Leave Karlstad. Leave now and never come back. Stay away from them. They mean you great harm. Starring Caroline Monroe as the Baroness. What was the sinister secret she hid beneath her dark spectacles? Martine Beswick as her sister Uriel, malevolent and evil. You would sacrifice all that we've done merely to quench your innate desire for violence. Oh, what if I did? Veronica Carlson as Anna, the one woman in the village of Karlstadt willing to stand against these angels of death. I can fight you. We can fight you! Christopher Neem as Llewellyn, a man of faith, locked in mortal combat with overwhelming evil. If we leave them alone, maybe they'll leave us alone. Also starring Joshua Kennedy as the mysterious Dr. Pritchard. And introducing Georgina Dugdale, Gooey Film's latest star discovery, the Gorgon's most beautiful victim. See all of this and more when you visit the House of the Gorgon. Cast you out! Every unclean spirit, every satanic power, in the name and by the power of our Lord Jesus Christ! My search is nearing an end. At last, the collectible toy oasis. Hey, Henry! Hey, kid! What's it gonna be? Indy or Han? Dr. Tongue's I Had That Shot, 7129 Northeast Fremont Street. Vintage goofiness from years gone by. Sci-fi and fantasy memorabilia. We specialize in things your mother threw away. And some she didn't. Dr. Tongue's Toys. as John Ford and Miriam C. Cooper present Mighty Joe Young, whose sensational exploits will startle you, thrill you, electrify you with hair-raising excitement and suspense. See Mighty Joe Young as he savagely resists capture in his native Africa. Oh! Joe! Joe! See the most fantastic relationship between beast and beauty, a mere girl mastering a primitive giant. See mighty Joe Young, enraged by Hollywood pranksters, destroy Filmland's swankiest nightclub on the fabulous Sunset Strip. Mighty Joe Young, the picture that's alive with the most sensational action thrills ever filmed. Mightier than King Kong, Mighty Joe Young. 
I thought you were going to say it's feedback time because that's what you started before. You missed my. Okay. You missed it. It's feedback time. It's feedback time. Uh, welcome back to the show. Thank you. We have two emails sitting here. Yeah. <laughs> I feel a little out of sorts because we're actually recording the feedback while the sun's up. I know. Normally, this is the last part of the show that we record before I go into edit mode. But I dislike that because we're always rushing to balance dinner, the editing you'll have left to do, etc. So I said I don't want this hanging over my head all day. Uh, so yeah, I'm a little out of sorts. So if I sound a little off, like not firing the way that I normally do, it's because the sun's out. <laughs> <laughs> you opened the curtains in the room this morning and you were like, yay! And I was like... Well, okay, when I'm not doing podcasting stuff, it's great. I like the sunlight coming in. But podcasting is best done in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like an eye mask? I, 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 no, but, no, but I do want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> or pajamas, like like a onesie. Oh. Yes. And pillows. Yeah. I always think I'll like a onesie, but then I remember, like, when you go to the bathroom, you're half naked. Yeah. And it's so cold. Yeah. Because you've been in a fleecy onesie. That's true. It's always going to be cold. This has gotten really weird. It's because you're not firing. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, uh, we've got two emails. Okay. Let's do an email. Hi, Derek. Hi. I just discovered your podcast and I'm enjoying it very much. Excellent. I only have heard three episodes so far, all dealing with Dan Curtis. The only thing I felt was missing when talking about Dan Curtis movies and vampires was the missed opportunity to contrast the vampire from Kolchak the Night Stalker. And of course, if you've already done it in another podcast, I hope to find it soon. Thanks, Jeff D. When I take the emails and put them into a Word document, I try to format it so that it's easier for you to read. And apparently I dropped uh, a bit there where he's talking about contrasting the vampire from Kolchak the Night Stalker. <laughs> I was wondering. Yeah. So, I just thought it was something I didn't get. No, it's for me. So he said the missed opportunity was that we did not contrast the Night Stalker vampire, Janos, with Dracula or the other Dan Curtis vampire, Barnabas Collins, from Dark Shadows. The reason we didn't contrast Barnabas and Dracula and Janos is because we did not talk about Kolchak the Night Stalker this past Dan Sember. We are going to be doing Dan Sember in 2019 and mm. Night Stalker and the Night Strangler. Is it the Night Strangler? Whatever. The Kolchak stuff will be covered during Dan Sember in 2019. And at that point, we'll bring up Janos, as well as all the other monsters that he introduced in that series and comparing them to their classic counterparts. So it'll be interesting to take like how they address... Um, I'm drawing a blank on every other monster that appeared in the Night Stalker <laughs> series. Is there a werewolf? I don't remember, but we'll we'll talk about that werewolf versus what Universal did or what Hammer did with Curse of the Werewolf, that sort of thing. I think that'll be a fun conversation to do. So that'll be happening in 2019. So stay tuned. Uh, if you've only listened to three episodes so far, as of right now, there are another 409 for you to get caught up on. <laughs> and Jeff has to stick around for, for Dan Sember next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's beat Dan Sember this year, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're not saying he has to wait. Two and three quarters not of the year. To, yeah, not to 2020, 2019. It's, it is 20. I still, every once in a while, have a hard time. Me too. Yeah. Me too. It's because it's sun up right now and I'm not firing. 
You know what I was thinking is you haven't had a long time to like sit in the juices of editing and your brain is not fully focused. On That's this. it. I'm not marinated properly. Yes. I need to marinate. Yes. I took you out of the sauce too early. <laughs> Put me back in the sauce, coach. <laughs> Uh, but thanks for writing in. I'm glad you found the show. I'd be curious as to how you found the show. Oh, yeah. Just just curious, you know. stumble onto... I mean, I guess we've stumbled into podcasts. Sure. Sure. But, I, like, did it come up on something on Facebook? Did you stumble across it on Twitter? Did somebody else recommend it? Did another podcast play one of the promos? Because if they did, I'd love to return the favor and give them a shout out. That sort of thing. Uh-huh. You know? I'm just curious. Market survey. Exactly. How did you hear about Monster Kid Radio? Righto. Thanks for writing in, man. Appreciate it. Welcome to the family. Do you call it family? I don't. Tribe, the croup, crew? I was about to... Did you say the croup? Yeah, crew and group (laughs) together. Welcome to the croup. Which is a terrible disease. Oh, wow. For children. Uh, Kenny calls it the Monster Kid Radio heads. That's what he calls all of us when he does the famous monster segment. Yes. And I'm warming up to that, actually, so... The downside is that I looked up the band Radiohead to see what their logo looked like to see if I could kind of manipulate it to make it look like Monster Kid Radio, but their albums don't seem to have a consistent logo. So, yeah. okay. Anyway, weird tangent. Hi, Derek. Hey. Let me start by saying I hope all of your kitties are thriving. I'm strictly an Instagram guy for about four reasons, but I know that. Due to that, I miss out on personal Facebook stuff until you bring it up on the show. And my heart always goes out to you in the tough times, especially when it's cat-related. Do you want to comment on that before you finish the email? Um, Do we want to do a Samantha check-in at the end? Sure. Okay. Loved the show today on Dinosaurs. Dinosaurus. I know. I just said it too fast. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Dinosaurus. Dinos are us. You know, I think there is an exclamation point on the poster. So Dinos are us. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's a childhood favorite of mine. Don't have much to add to the conversation about the film, but there's something I'd love to know. I know the Brontosaurus was reused for the Twilight Zone, and the show It's About Time allegedly uses stock footage from Dinosaur Us. <laughs> <laughs> But the live-action T-Rex was apparently painted green at some point and reused for something? Oh, you're like, now you want me to interject? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I haven't seen It's About Time, but yeah, supposedly the footage does turn up in that. I'd like to track it down. It looks like kind of a goofy, kitty-type show, but it looks like fun. Uh, the Twilight Zone, yeah, that's that we can confirm. I did some quick research to see if I can find out about that T-Rex. Mm-hmm. Couldn't find anything online definitively. I may not have looked in the right corners of the internet. Supposedly, the sounds the T-Rex made uh, ended up being, getting used as like stock audio as mm-hmm. sound effects for other productions down the line. But I found nothing about the T-Rex being reused for something else. And painted green? And painted green. Yes. So, no clue. Sorry, man. It does, if anybody else knows, write in. Let me know. Ryan goes on to say, and defo gonna check out that Cretaceous comic. Cretaceous is the comic that Tad Galusha did. Mm, It is really cool based on what I've seen. 
uh, I talked about this last week, but I don't know if I talked with you about it, Brenda. Tad is the comics book creator who's up in Alaska. Yes, I know that. And Cretaceous is wordless. There are no words uh, because dinosaurs don't talk. Right. <laughs> Go figure. It, it, well, at least we assume they didn't talk. Mm. I suppose we don't really know. Mm. Anyway, it it's, tells the story of a particular dinosaur dealing with, well, dinosaur things. And it, it's a really engaging kind of story. And it sounds really cool. Huh. So, and he's got a book two and three that I'd like to do as well, and I hope it goes well. Me too. Yeah. Don't recall hearing him on MKR, but there are so many bands with Tsunami and Experiment in their names. Who really knows? Ha! <laughs> okay, so Tsunami Experiment is a band, and I could have sworn I've played them on the show before. Oh, this is the thing you were digging through right. and mumbling to yourself about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have an album called Ones and Zeros that I thought that I'd played here on the show before, but I couldn't find it. But then my song section on my website's a little out of date, so it might still be there and I just couldn't find it. However, last year, around November-ish or so, they released a new album, kind of a concept album called Broadcast. It's a little over 20 minutes long, and they actually sent me clips of this 20-minute song and said, here you go. And I haven't played it yet. So this oh. was good timing, Ryan. So the song that you heard at the beginning of the show is part of broadcast, and you'll hear it again at the end. Way to ignore somebody who is supporting you. What's awesome, though, about me ignoring people, <laughs> it's not that I ignore people. It's just that I, I have had a handful of music come to me now, Yeah, which is great, because for years I'm always soliciting music. And I'm yes. still doing that, but yes. I'm starting to pop up on certain mailing lists, I think somehow yeah and i don't view it as spam i view it as oh new music to listen to and wow i don't know what that was yeah but they couldn't see it they couldn't so they see wouldn't it. have known i got really excited <laughs> anyway tsunami experiment motions of him gathering all of the music into a bright <laughs> shining invisible ball between his two hands <laughs> so tsunami experiment they're awesome uh, i'm sure i mentioned the band camp link at the beginning of the show i'll mention it again at the end of the show okay. check them out and tell them that monster kid radio sent you also, a year late uh, not a year <laughs> it was november so okay. that's only six what, months late maybe five <laughs> i'll give you five <laughs> I'm teasing you. In December, they had a Christmas album, too. So. Ooh. Yep. Interesting. So, that was Ryan. Uh, he's a stop-motion animator. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I believe these are things he's worked on. Yes. The, the I listed the titles there for you. I thought okay. it'd be nice to read them out. The Beast from 20 zillion years ago. Mm-hmm. The Night of the Beast from, 20, from 27... From 20 zillion years ago. From 27 years ago. The Night of the Beast from 27 years ago. <laughs> you know what's crazy is we're so old that that would be what? The 90s? Oh, stop. <laughs> so it would be somebody wearing a lot of denim? <laughs> Listening to Nirvana. Yes. So it's basically Captain Marvel. Is what it is. <laughs> and Cowgirls versus Pterodactyls. Cowgirls versus Pterodactyls is the new Joshua Kennedy gooey film production, which is in post-production right now. Mm -hmm. uh, I have seen, well, and anybody who's looked up the trailer has seen a little bit of Ryan's work in that. He did, uh, well, the Pterodactyl. The other two movies that I listed there are available on YouTube. I'll make sure there's links in the show notes to that. And I forgot to put on here that he also did Theseus and the Minotaur for mm -hmm. Josh. So all the stop motion in that movie 
is Ryan as well. Wow. So Ryan's a good guy. We communicate strictly by email because I haven't done much on Instagram in a long time for me. Well, I was going to say you're on there all the time for Wednesday. No, Wednesday's on it by herself. Oh. (laughs) She's figured out how to use it. It's all her. Oh, sure. (laughs) Wednesday has an Instagram. I do, but I haven't updated it in forever. Uh, But I do see Ryan at Monster Bash sometimes. So. Hopefully, uh, I get to see him again soon at this upcoming Monster Bash. I haven't really talked to him about whether or not he's going this year. So, How many months away is that? About th- uh, Somebody posted on Facebook, it's like 59, 57 days. No, that's not right. You haven't booked a flight yet. That's not right. March, April, May, June. That's three months. But we're at the end of March, honey. Right. Is it at the end of June? It's the third weekend of June. Okay. You need to book a flight. I do. But yeah, Ryan's a cool guy, and he does really cool work, and I'm really excited about putting sounds on his monsters' mouths. Okay. Because I'm doing the sound effects for Cowgirls vs. Pterodactyls. Oh. So I get to, in addition to, I don't know. How are you going to make pterodactyl sounds? Do you want to hear a secret? You want to hear one of, some of my secrets? Should I put that out here on the show? Kind of sure. reveal? It's like peeling back the curtain, the magician showing people how they do their tricks. You're not impressed. Okay, um, <laughs> what I'm going to do for the wings flapping... Oh, yeah. Umbrellas. I'm going to yeah. take some umbrellas and foop, 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 just like that. Or I just yes. might might just make that Will sound with saying, my mouth. Foop, 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 foop. Yeah, I mean, that's perfect <laughs> as it is. But, you know, for extra realism, I'll flap yes. open and close big umbrellas, record that sound, maybe slow it down a little bit to match the movement, that sort yeah. of thing. For the pterodactyls, so far, my plan is I have some lizard sounds that I acquired yeah. when I did House of the Gorgon for Josh. So I'm going to use some of those kind of hissy sounds. But I want to blend them with slowed down bird calls. Oh. And see how that works. That's my goal right now, my plan right now. What if you slowed down a Wednesday mew? I thought about recording the cats. Yeah. But I I don't know. Because Wednesday, Wednesday's meows are so small. <laughs> they are. So I don't know if it would work. So, yeah, that's what I'm looking at right now for that. Yes. Plus, there's horse stuff I... Horse stuff. There's horse stuff. <laughs> and I saw a YouTube video with some Foley artists doing horse sounds. Everybody says, you know, get coconuts or whatever. But I really liked what these guys did. They took uh, plunger bottoms and they stuffed them with like rags and newspaper and then mm-hmm. put tape across, the, across them. Uh, not completely sealing it off, just like right. a crisscross pattern. And then using that because then you get a little bit of the, uh, the sound of the air pushing against mm-hmm. the hoof as well as the clump. And I really liked how it sounded. So I'd like to try that. Yes. We'll see. But I'm really looking forward to doing sound for an Old West movie and more monster stuff. Fantastic. Fun times. <laughs> I just did that thing again with my hands yes. where I'm taking the imaginary stuff and bringing it to myself and have a goofy grin on my face. Yes. <sighs> we should record feedback one day for YouTube just to see. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> It'll be the back of your head as you're reading the email at the computer and me making all these weird gestures and things. <laughs> hey, uh, I must have cut it out again when we did the first email. Jeff also mentioned a song by Brian Setzer called Go Go Godzilla. That's mm-hmm. kind of surf-ish. I did look that up. Yes, it is surf-ish. And it's kind of cool. I don't think I would ever have permission to play it here on the show because mm. of... You know, who might own the song, and it's appeared in other movies and things like that. So just getting an okay might not be enough. Okay. There might be licensing fees involved. But it is very cool. I'd recommend people check it out. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes to that, too. 
Do we want to talk about the cats? About some knee of the pants. So. Sam Boney. <laughs> Listen, so we have three cats. Yes. Wednesday, who's our, Insta- our blossoming Instagram star, who's got <laughs> only double digits Instagram followers. But if you're an Instagram user, look up Wednesday Potato because she gets on Instagram if, like if, twice a week. If you like cat picture. And we have Smoke. Who's our little baby boy, Moki? You know, he's... We had him since he was five weeks old. Oh, man, he is. And he's getting old. He is. Uh, but he doesn't act like it very much. He still acts like a little baby boy, Moki, sometimes. Okay. But we have to pill him now, and he hates oh, he, it. Oh, he's also very high-strung, and, uh, like, half of his body is filled with anxiety pretty much all the time. Yes, he's the cat that if you need to carry him somewhere he doesn't want to go he pees on you if there's thunder uh, uh, he pees on me if you want to carry him somewhere he doesn't want to go he pees on you brenda because he's <laughs> never peed on me well part of that is because the one time you picked him up and peed you aimed it at me i was like why are you aiming him at me why are you doing this he's got strong flow there is nothing wrong with that boy's prostate <laughs> like aiming a weapon at me yeah and then, of course, Samantha, which we've talked about on the show, yeah. and Ryan mentioned this on Facebook. We were posting about the second stroke that she had. Right. Uh, she is an older kitty, a much older kitty. And, and it was a much worse stroke. Oh, and it was a terrible day when we took her into the vet that morning because we were under the impression... The vet said he'd never had seen a kitty with that bad of a stroke who recovered. Right, especially a second stroke. Right. So we were starting to mentally prepare ourselves to say goodbye to Samantha. Well, he said, yeah, I'm going to give her some pain meds and you come back tonight because we were in full crisis mode at right. work and I was not allowed to leave work. Right. So he was willing to give her pain meds until I could come back in in the evening to put her to but, sleep. He said the biggest problem is going to be peeing, that she's not going to be able to empty her bladder and that will cause her a lot of pain and sepsis, etc. But she peed. <laughs> Never been so excited. Like no big deal. Just like I mean, know. it was a big deal because I, well, she can't. for her, right? She's like whatever. I mean, I picked her up and put her in the litter box because right. we, we were had worried to about carry her. her because her hind end wasn't working. But she peed, and we called the vet, and he's like, "That's great. Let's, let's wait. Let's not do anything. Let's see how it goes." And she has recovered. She she still has a little bit of a head tilt, and she's still a little wobbly with her hind legs. Yes, but she's using the bathroom, no problem. She gets down off the bed now, so. yeah, which was a concern. Yeah, for those first few nights, I was like setting my alarm for like four a.m. just to get up to right. make sure she had yeah. Yes, but. You know, she seems to be doing better now. Knock on whatever you knock on, I guess, wood or whatever. What the, What just happened? I have no idea. <laughs> so, yes. The other big struggle was, could she perform all bathroom functions? No problem. Yep. It took her several days to get there, but yes. she has kidney disease, which means she gets di- dehydrated pretty easily. Yes. So she didn't have a lot of fluids. Plus, the pain meds uh, and some of the other stuff we were giving her uh, were... Further drying. Yeah, diuretic, is that the word? Where they kind of absorb it the moisture? Takes, yeah, all yeah. the moisture and yeah. she pees it out instead of lubricating other places. <laughs> right. So um, let's stop talking about cats' bodily functions. Oh, well, um. <laughs> she, I can't believe... We are so lucky. Now, chances are she's going to have a third stroke. Or um, just it's you know some other complications. We know our time is limited with her. Yeah. 
but she's comfortable right now. She still mm-hmm. has an appetite, although she doesn't like the special food that she's supposed to eat for her kidney disease, even more so now. We couldn't get her to eat when she was recovering from the stroke, so we started giving her normal cat food. Yeah, just the regular stuff we give smoke. loves. But she's been on a restricted diet for years because she has kidney failure. And now she won't go back to her kidney failure food because she's had a taste of the sweet stuff. I, I can't even trick her now. I used to be able to put the regular food, like the, the yeah. friskies, underneath the, the kidney disease food with the idea that she'd have to eat through the kidney disease food to get to that. <laughs> she didn't even fall for that now. When she was first recovering from the stroke, she would just stare at the wall for long periods of time. It was a little she unnerving. Did, yeah, it was like you could tell she had kind of like brain damage and we would just hold her and she would purr gently and just sort of stare, which, you know, I was concerned about quality of life a little bit. Right. So but... was I. She's always purred easy, but yes. the fact that she continued to do that told me that there was still Sam in there, right. you know, and I know, and I think I've said this either on the show or on Facebook or maybe just, I've said it somewhere that the ability that we had to, put positivity into her focusing on her a lot of that was possible because we were bolstered by the support we got oh, on facebook man. Yes. everybody that reached out to us and not just facebook when i started posting on facebook i started getting personal messages i got some text messages including from josh's cat merlin um, <laughs> who reached out and and just wanted to make sure that we were okay and they were thinking about us and that sort of thing people who were scheduled to record with me were very cool about oh, rescheduling yeah, things right. so big thanks to everybody who was flexible with me there got almost all of that rescheduled at this point there's one guy that i'm still trying to nail down a time with but everybody's been very cool very supportive and i think that really helps us be able to help sam so i think so I mean, she you. got so much attention. <laughs> she really did. Wednesday would love that kind of attention on Instagram. I mean, I'm saying. Dad, <laughs> all the what posts. are you doing? Like, you think she's going to be Instagram famous? Wednesday comes to me when you're at work and is like, Dad, I wish people liked me on Instagram more. And I'm like, I know, Dad, honey. Let's shoot another God. video. Stop. <laughs> no, I was just saying for comparison's sake that Wednesday's awesome and got a lot of people that like her. Yes. We got so much attention for Sam. It's so great. If she could do it, Wednesday would be jealous, is what I'm saying. Oh, she gets <laughs> she gets very insecure because, right. you know, she grew up with other animals and one of them was a dog. Was it a pit bull? Yeah, that wanted to eat her. Yeah. And yeah. so Wednesday spent much of her early life locked in a bathroom. Yeah. So she has a lot of anxiety about attention and availability, us being available and her favorite toys are hair ties, <laughs> which has become its own little thing we have to budget for. <laughs> <laughs> and she's got that collar that her godfather, yes. you know, keeps her uh, Such rolling. Such a difference. Yeah. It's like so. she wants attention but can't handle it Yeah, if she doesn't have the collar on. Yeah. She gets bitey or she jumps and runs away. Mm-hmm. It's a pheromone collar. It's not like just a regular collar. I mean, mm, you know, yeah, like, yeah. It's the non <laughs> little spiked collar that says Wednesday on it. She's you know. like, all right, we can cuddle now. Yeah, we can cuddle it's now. Obvious, I don't need it. <laughs> anyway, that's what's going on with yes. Sam. Thank Super. you to everybody who backs us and supports us beyond just the podcast. I mean, I appreciate. I truly appreciate everybody's friendship. Yes, it's amazing that podcasting has given me so much. In terms of friendship and, and opportunities to meet amazing people and yeah. know and love amazing people. 
And I know Rich Chamberlain just lost his dog. Yeah, a uh, friend of the show, uh, Rich Chamberlain. Thinking about you, man. Yeah. You know, shout out to you. Uh, you know what? Hmm. I'm going to... I'm going to do this. On Facebook, when this all started going on with Sam, people started posting pictures of their cats. Yes. I want to know what the listeners' pets look like. Listeners, if you have a pet, I'd love to see a picture of them. Can you do them on, like, your site? I think that would be awesome. Let's set up a monster pet Flickr album. Or Is Flickr still a thing? <laughs> I don't know. Some sort of, yeah, let's do that. I think that'd be cool. Monster Kid Kids? <laughs> the Monster Kid Kids. Yes. I love it. I love it. So, cat, dog, lizard... Why did octopus just come to mind? I don't know. Nobody has a pet. If you have a pet octopus, you win. <laughs> I'm just saying. But I would love. Let's do that. So monsterkidradio at gmail.com. Send me pictures of your pets. Yes. If you're okay with other people seeing them. Yeah. That'd be awesome. That's a thing too. That'd be awesome. Very cool. Okay. So that's the feedback. We spent more time talking about our cats than the yes. emails. But I do appreciate the emails a lot. Yes. Uh, and like I said, monsterkidradio at gmail.com is where you can contribute. I say that. What's that? I didn't say that. I said it earlier. Second, like you said. I said like I said. No. Do I have to go back and listen to this? Yes. I probably will want to edit. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, like I said, monsterkidradio at gmail.com. You can email us your emails and Brenda will read them. Yes. Unless I'm sick or there's a crisis at work or my voice joint, voice box joint is inflamed. And so I sound like this. Which sometimes can be kind of hot. But I'm not feeling hot, so <laughs> you have to restrain yourself. <laughs> no! Don't dig here. There's something evil down there. Great was the curse laid upon it. Great was the evil power granted it. Buried for 400 years, it still lives. Stare into these eyes if you dare, for every woman that does becomes a willing slave to the thing that couldn't die. You're not the same girl you were yesterday. Yesterday I was trying to do what was right. I was afraid. But I'm not afraid anymore. And every man becomes a monster. There's another casket buried somewhere on the ranch, Jessica, and Mr. Ash has promised us $5,000 if we can find it. Isn't it enough that two men are dead? Do the rest of you want to die too? Greed had made them unearth a monstrous evil centuries old. Now they, and they alone, had to face the consequences. Audio Tales is a daily podcast that reads you a story, either a whole short story or 
a novel, a chapter or two at a time. Join us for our exploration of old ghost stories, supernatural fiction, horror tales, folk tales, fantasy, gothic horror, weird fiction, and cosmic horror. And don't forget to join us for our monthly show about the Cthulhu mythos at the end of the month. Black Clock Audio on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Black Clock Audio Tales. Part of darkmyths.org. Thank you. More prophetic than his prediction of space travel in Things to Come. More imaginative than his laser beams in War of the Worlds. More frightening than his warning of nuclear holocaust in The Time Machine. From H.G. Wells, history's most credible prophet, now comes his most incredible story. Empire of the Ants. The terrifying tale of civilization fighting for survival against armies of giant ants ten feet tall who control the human population by drugging them into submission. And man the master becomes man the slave. Joan Collins, Robert Lansing, H.G. Wells, Empire of the Ants from American International Pictures. Rated PG, parental guidance suggested. Empire of the Ants. They shall inherit the earth sooner than you think. So that brings us to the end of this part of the show. Big thanks to Ron. Big thanks to Kenny. Big thanks to Brenda. And again, big thanks to all of you for all of your support over the weeks, over the years, for however long you've been part of the Monster Kid Radio thing. Thanks for tagging along and being part of this whole thing that we do here at MKR Land. I really need to come up with a name for that. It was an awesome show, I think. And it was only awesome because you guys and gals were involved. So thank you. If you want to know anything else about Monster Kid Radio or find any of the links that I keep talking about in those show notes, you can find the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net. This is also where you're going to find our contact information. I've mentioned it a few times. I'll mention it again. Monsterkidradio at gmail.com is our email address. We also have a voicemail line you can call and leave us a message by calling 503-479-5MKR. That's 503-479-5MKR. Five, seven. I'd love to hear from you. If you want to call and talk about Monster Batch, if you want to write in and talk about something we talked about three weeks ago, if you want to talk about something we talked about in the very first episode, feel free to send it in and we'll chat it up. Also on our website, you're going to find links to our Patreon campaign and a link to the Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards. There is still time for you to vote. I've talked about the Rondo Hatton Awards here on the show before. Head over to rondoaward.com to take a look at their ballot and vote for your favorite movie, DVD, Blu-ray, interview, magazine article, podcast, hint, hint. Uh, just there's all sorts of great stuff there. The biggest thing, though, is please put down the name Kyle Yount from the Kaiju Cast for the Monster Kid Hall of Fame. Ten years of Kaiju Cast podcasting and a whole bunch of other stuff related to celebrating the fandom of being a Kaiju fan. The man is, well... The man. And I'm not just saying that because I just did an episode of the Kaiju cast. It hasn't been released yet, but as soon as it is, I'll make sure I mention it on the Monster Kid Radio website as well as the Facebook page. I'll also make sure there's a link to MonsterKidWriter.com and my new book over on Amazon so you can check that out as well. And you can download the bracket for the Monster Movie Madness Tournament. You can download that, print it up for yourself, and, and fill it out as you listen to the different analysis episodes 
or fill it out and then listen to the analysis episodes to see if you agree with our experts. And <laughs> I know I'm laying a lot of it on you here, but really there's a lot in the show notes. The bracket itself is now live. Tinyurl.com slash MMMadness2019. It's a monster movie, Madness, you know, MM Madness 2019. Go here. It's a Google form. You go in and you just pick your favorite movie in each bracket. It's all broken down for you, real easy to use. The deadline is April 5th. After that, Steve and I are going to get together, tabulate the results, and move us on to the next round. Oh, and hey, I almost forgot. I want to let you know what's happening next week on the show. We're going to go a little outside of our comfort zone and dip into a movie from the 70s. We're going to talk about the first of the so-called Toho Bloodthirsty Trilogy. The movie is called The Vampire Doll, and it's with an author that I met through the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. He's actually been on the show before when I do recordings at that festival. His name's Oren Gray. He and I are going to talk about that film next week. Thank you for always retweeting the tweets and sharing our posts on Facebook and just spreading the word and letting people know about what we do here at Monster Kid Radio. It means the world to me and Brenda and, you know, even Wednesday. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this part of the show by reminding you that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the music that was so generously supplied to Monster Kid Radio from the band The Tsunami Experiment, which you can find over at tsunamiexperiment.bandcamp.com. The new album is called Broadcast. And we're going to play a clip of that here to go out of this part of the episode. They are calling this particular clip numbers. I hope you enjoy it because, well, I did. After you hear this song, you're going to get to hear the final expert analysis with Steve and Josh Kennedy talking about the Southern Bracket in the Monster Movie Madness Tournament. My name is Derek Kim Cook. Ciao. <laughs>
Turk, Monster Kid Radio, Roving Minion, and I'm going to be doing the Monster Kid Radio's March Monster Madness Tournament. We're going to be doing monster movies, and we're going to be deciding who's going to defeat who by viewers, listeners, votes as they go through the different games of the 64th uh, movie tournament. And we have different experts coming in to help us out with the four regions, North, East, West, and South. And today I'm joined with Joshua Kennedy to help us out with the South region. And Josh, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. Thank you so much, Stephen, for having me on. And I'm honored that you consider me an expert in this field. Uh, So um, I'm really excited to get going. Well, it's not just me that considers you an expert. It's also Derek, because we were going through, like, who do we think we should pick for the experts? (laughs) And being that you're from Texas, it makes sense that we gave you the South region. Oh, yes, yes. No, I completely agree with that. And I am honored to represent the Lone Star State in this enchanting, epic battle of the movie monsters and again listeners we're talking about your favorite movies so we're not talking about like which movies is the best compared to each other like cinematography directing acting we're talking about which one is your favorite which one out of these two movies would you want to watch over and over again that's what i consider favorite josh what do you consider a favorite what's your definition i think you summed it up it's it's something that on a rainy day i can put into the dvd player or blu-ray player uh, or VCR, I mean, depending on, you know, your, your technology at home. Uh, and, and something that I can put on during rainy day and enjoy, sit back and enjoy. If I've seen it once or a hundred times, that's what I consider a favorite. People that are listening, if you want to, pause the podcast briefly. Go to Derek's website, Monster Kid Radio, and download the bracket. So that way you can follow along with us and make your own picks. Or if you want to write down Josh's, what he's going to pick and that kind of stuff as we go through and that way um, you have an idea when we're doing the voting who to vote for and you can keep track of your own bracket and have some fun with it so josh you have 16 different movies to go through are you ready i am so ready i was born ready let's do this the number one movie in this grouping in the south region is creature from the black lagoon the 1954 classic and it's going up Uh. against the day the earth stood still Two totally different movies. (laughs) I mean, we are talking about the original Day the Earth Stood Still, I hope. Yes, Uh, (laughs) yes, yes, we're talking about the original. This is is a tough one. This is, I mean, they're two iconic films for two, I mean, for many different, different reasons. What's your first inkling on this one, Stephen? Well, my first inkling is I look at it as the Monster Movie Tournament. Yeah. Now, out of these two... To me, a monster movie would be more the creature, the Black Lagoon, than the Day the Earth Stood Still. Because to me, the Day the Earth Stood Still is one of the classic science fiction movies yeah, of all time. Yeah. So that's that's my way of leaning towards going with creature from my perspective. Mm-hmm. But I mean, everybody's perspective is different. I definitely see your point. But would you say that the creature from the Black Lagoon, as as a creature monster suit? I mean, would you say that's more iconic than Gorch? Because that's an iconic suit as well. Would you say, I mean... Well, if you're going to suit, yes, I mean, when you picture movies and you see these suits, I mean, everybody knows them. Yeah, exactly. But then again, is a robot a monster? Mm, well, he, he is menacing, <laughs> but I see your point on, on Creature. Um, 
And I mean, how can how can you how can anything go up against creature? It's like David and Goliath. But uh, I was try- trying to give David still, you know, the uh, <laughs> the the upper hand here. But I, I think I'm I'm going to have to go with creature on this one as well. Is, is that what you're voting for? I'll be picking creature, the Black Lagoon. I just want to say, hey, Derek, notice I was defending creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> I mean, as, as we want to go even further, it has, oh, well, how could I even, I was going to compare the music scores, Herman Stein's music for Creature from the Black Lagoon, but you're up against Bernard Herman and Dave Houston still. I mean, they're two iconic soundtracks, but I mean, any monster kid will recognize the da-da-da of Creature from the Black Lagoon. So yeah, Creature, sorry, I try to give Dave Houston still another <laughs> another chance, but uh, that's the Creature has my vote. And it will be interesting to see how everybody votes because, I mean, just like with other tournaments, there's always upsets. Could Oh, oh yeah. But, yeah, yeah creature, I think Creature hands down. Yeah, if you think – What's it, scales down or what, what does he have? Claws? Claws down? Claws down, scales down. Yeah. I think I think we're just going to say it, it's – we're looking at Creature for the win in the first round. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think so. Now, here's a tougher one for you. The War of the Gargantuas – is up against The Fly from 1958. Oh, snap. Um, Kaiju versus old school horror. Well, on your scale of of favorite films, where do these two two lie for you? Oh, my God. You're talking to the Godzilla fan. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll, I'll admit, this is a tough matchup. But now... We're talking about favorites. Which of these two would you want to watch more often than the other? Well, see, see, <laughs> this is where I, where I was going. For me personally, The Fly. I mean, that again, personally, is probably in my top ten favorites of all time. And movies like comedy, romance, science, like The Fly, is one of my top. So I'm a little biased in this discussion because I mean, The, the Fly has everything that makes me smile or get excited as an audience member it's got the love story it's got suspense it's, it's got the horror just just him under the the blanket during the, that first half of the movie you don't even see the monster. it's just it's this weird dreadful atmosphere that this whole movie conjures and you got freaking vincent price and who's actually not even the, the main role i mean but that's me personally but the war of Gar- i mean would you consider war of gargantuas more of a monster film like i said this is a tough matchup I love them both. Yeah, <laughs> That's amazing yeah, yeah. tough. I think I would pick The Fly from 1958. Yeah. Because I like them both. I wa- I'd watch either one of them. So t- there's no real one pulling me more than the other. And the makeup when that unveiling yes. is done with The Fly is just amazing what they yeah, were able and- to do. And the acting, because it's it's, it's David Hedison acting at, in the monster makeup also. And he yeah, just does and, and an excellent job. Patricia Owens just carries that film. It's basically her the entire second half of the movie. And I think a lot of people don't give her enough credit because she's basically acting opposite a mask. The, the emotion that she, she conveys is outstanding. So, I mean, I wish she could have been given an award for that. She's fantastic in it. But, yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with you, The Fly, on this one. All right, so uh, we got The Fly flying off into the next round. Nicely done. Nice help me. Yeah, it's going to need help. It, it wins the go to the next round, and it gets Creature, which we'll get to later on. <laughs> what a what a win. It's like, yeah, we yeah, moved, yeah. we won our game. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Now, because we don't like keeping things easy for you, Josh. Oh, snap. Frankenstein meets the Wolfman versus oh. White Zombie with Bella Lugosi. Someone have to have a napkin that I can dab my forehead. I think I'm starting to sweat. Um, yeah, this is a tough one. I mean, I grew up, I mean, as many monster kids did, watching the, the universal black and white films. And White Zombie's not universal. Dead. I always, as a kid, tend to, to lump it into the classic universal. Like, just in my mind. I mean, it has Bela Lugosi, it has the black and white photography. It just, it just feels... Like it belongs in that bevy of different universal films. See, I'm going back and forth on this one. What's your, your thoughts on this one? If we're looking at monsters, zombies versus Frankenstein and the Wolfman. Mm-hmm. And the Wolfman, of course, played by Lon Chaney Jr. Uh, yes. So a lot of classic things from that one. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, again, I'm looking at it for fun, for enjoyment, favorite. I'm going Frankenstein yeah. meets the Wolfman. White Zombie might be, you can argue about, like, if you're talking about better film, but we're not arguing about that. We're That's arguing true. about I mean, favorite films. Purely monsters? Yeah, Frankenstein. I mean, how can you go wrong? Frankenstein monster and the Wolfman. And you get Maria Auspenskaya as, you know, Maliva the Gypsy. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm going Frankenstein meets the Wolfman as well. We seem to be on the same page here, Stephen. Well, you know, we can say great minds think alike. Yes. Well, well, now, now as the films you know get get tougher and tougher, we might start start splitting apart once they they go up against each other. We'll have some matchups in later rounds if if everything goes as projected. There could yeah. be some doozies, and yeah. could, that that it would be interesting. Where it's almost like this is who I think will win, and this is who I hope yeah. will win. We might start yeah. coming into play. I think yeah. right now, I think we're both in agreement. These are all the movies we said so far. Not only the ones we hope will win, but also the ones we believe are we, going to exactly. win. Exactly. Goes on. I think the toughest matchup so far is the word of Gargantuas and the Fly. That one, to me, yeah. is going to be a coin flip. Yeah. The Curse of Frankenstein against the House of Dracula. Mm. Well, for me, I mean, this one, this one's pretty easy for me. I think House of Dracula, in the lineup of the great Universal monster films, I really don't care. You might disagree with me. I'm sure there are many who disagree with me. I think House of Dracula is on the low end of the universal i mean frankenstein meets the wolfman when they started putting them together you know what i mean i'm not Correct. like uh when we got frankenstein meets the wolfman, it was house of frankenstein i think house dracula is is on the, the the bottom i mean it's still a great film i'll watch that over most of the films made today but i think if, when you compare it to them i think that that's on the bottom rung and when you compare it to curse of frankenstein which basically started the hammer gothic period which I am a huge, as people who might know me, I, Hammer and I, are in love with one another. Uh, <laughs> oh, you, 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 like, you like Hammer film? I didn't know that, Josh. Yeah, really? <laughs> That's such a shock. Um, but, yeah, Curse of Frankenstein, like, as with The Fly, I think Curse of Frankenstein is in my top ten favorites of all time. So I think this this was fairly easy. I'll be quite surprised if it goes the other way. What, what are your thoughts on this, Stephen? You can't argue with Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. Exactly. I mean, this movie made two icons, and it still holds up. It's still wonderful to watch. It's just a great film. Yeah, I can't say enough good about that, and I'm sure 
people listening know I'm preaching to the choir here. But yeah, Curse of Frankenstein over House of Dracula. I think that, that that's an easy one. And I think so too. And I think that will go pretty much a landslide. Yeah, easily. Now, we know you like your Hammer movies, and we yeah. know you like your Universal movies. Yeah. How would you like Dracula with Bela Lugosi versus Curse of the Werewolf? Wow. Okay. So let's do the pros of each one. Dracula, you got probably the most, I could not, whether he's the best, I think just the most iconic Dracula. Would you agree, agree Bela Lugosi is the most iconic I think almost anybody, even children today, when they think, when they hear the name Dracula, they first think of somebody that looks like Bela Lugosi. So I yes, think you could say it's timeless image. Yeah, it's, it's timeless image, and it's the, the voice. I think the voice more than anything. You tell a kid to sound like Dracula, it's like, hey, one, two, drink your blood. It's like that they're doing the Bela Lugosi thing. And, I mean, some of the imagery in the I think Dwight Fry is fantastic in it. Curse of the Werewolf. Terrence Fisher is my favorite director, if that's not clear enough in my filmography. He did a fantastic job with Curse of the Werewolf. You got Oliver Reed. Oh, you got Michael Ripper. Then you could, if we want to even go even more intense, black and white versus color. But this is monsters up against each other. Monster movies. Monsters versus monster. No, no, not monster versus monster. It's movie versus movie. Movie versus monster movie versus monster movie. Um... Yeah, because if you do monster versus monster, that could really change. Yeah. That changes everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. I would like Curse of the Werewolf to win just because it's a very underrated film. Not many people know about it, but I think Dracula is going to take this one. I agree with you. I think Dracula is going to take it. It's iconic. It's, it's, it's like, yeah. like, it's the Dracula film, whether you hate it or not. It is what it is. And, yeah, I would like Curse of the Werewolf, to, but now that I think about it, yeah, Dracula's, I think that's going to be another line, landslide. And I also want to see Dracula get out of this part of the bracket because uh-huh. of a future matchup I'm hoping it happens with it, which we'll get oh. to later on, which would uh-huh. really make a lot of monster fans. I mean, you think it's tough. You know, you know how it is. You and I are having trouble going through, and I, it's, yeah, I it's, it's gut-wrenching. But as yeah. – as movies start to move along, it gets even more gut wrenching because then you have favorite against favorite, and it's yeah. just, it, it, oh, it just amps it up. That's what I love about a tournament type yes. system. Oh, I can't wait to see what the final four is going to be and all the other stuff. But you have to go through the, the the first round and the second rounds to get to those last rounds. Yeah, it's the golden stuff. Now this next yeah. one is to me similar to the earlier one. It's going to be a pick'em matchup, in my opinion. Yeah. It. The Terror from Beyond Space against 20 million miles to Earth. Wow. An alien classic versus Ray Harryhausen magic. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Um, To me, it's an easy pick. You think so? For me. For me. I'm a Ray Harryhausen fan. Yeah. I can watch Ray Harryhausen all day, every day. It, to me, this is a no-brainer. I mean, I love it, the tear from beyond space, but for me, I'm Harryhausen all the way. <laughs> Interesting that you say that, because I loved Harryhausen tremendously as well. However, and he and I, we share the same birthday, by the way, June 29th. Oh. Um, yeah, a little fun fact. But I think in the tear from beyond space, I think that is just a fun movie. I mean, it's basically alien 
it, like Alien is basically a remake of it. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree with that? Like it's just we're trapped in this spaceship and there is a monster killing us all one by one. It's, it's a great film. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. It, it's yeah, I love it. When you're talking favorites. I know you're having a little more tougher of a time, but yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to have to. I, Harryhausen, I will go to the grave saluting, but I think rainy day movie. I'm going to put it in the terror from beyond space. We, we finally had a movie different. We finally <laughs> really did it. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't believe it. I'm the one picking Harryhausen and not the guy that shares the same birthday with him. Yeah. Yeah. If Vanessa Harryhausen is listening to this, delete his phone number. <laughs> delete his phone number. <laughs> Don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> well, I, I think Derek would really be happy if she was listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. She might. She, she just might. Well, you never know. All right. Now, here's another great matchup for you. Horror of Dracula against House on the Haunted Hill. Fair. Do you consider House on Haunted Hill a? Mo- I mean, it's, it's. Is there a real monster in it? I don't consider it a monster movie myself. That's why for me it's an yeah. easy decision. Yeah, I love House on Haunted. I mean, I'll watch, that's one of the ones I watch every Halloween, or it's always playing on Halloween. It's just that's just a good movie. But I mean, it's the same problem we had with Curse of Frankenstein earlier. Horror of Dracula, really, like probably the Hammer film to introduce to someone who doesn't know Hammer films. you got Terrence Fisher, uh, Cushing Lee, Michael Guff. I hear all the people, you know, complaining that they don't like Michael Guff. And I think he's great in this. And yeah, it's, it's horror. That's, this is easy. Horror Dragula for me. What's next? The final two movies that we haven't talked about yet. Yep. Now this name is pronounced two different ways. So I'll pronounce it both ways. There's Ghidra or Ghidorah. Uh-huh. That way I cover both bases. The three-headed monster versus the mummy's hand. So, I love the mummy movies, but they all blend together for me. And where is with Ghidorah? What's the other one? Ghidorah? Or Ghidra. Or Ghidra. Remember, remember, in this movie, you don't just have him. Godzilla's in it, too. (laughs) But but you see... You say Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, I know exactly what we're talking about. The mummy's yeah. hand, I'm like, okay, which one is that? Is that with the, there's ton of leaves, right? And is this the one in Louisiana with the quicksand? Or is this the one with the burning building? And I love the mummies, and I should know this, but um, yeah, it, it's going to be three-headed monster for me. The mu- I mean, I'll watch the mummy's hand over Tom Cruise's The Mummy. But yeah, compared to Ghidorah, yeah, let's, let's, I think that's this is a no-brainer. Not only do I think I'm with you, I think, like, like we said, it's the one that should win. <laughs> yes, yes, there you go, exactly, yes. Um, for, and our, from our perspective. Yes. Let's go and move into the next round. Ta-da-da! Ah, Creature from the Black Lagoon is going against The Fly. Oh, my God. You know, I predict it's going to go to Creature. What do you think? Of- I can't, we got two great makeups, two great... Costumes, solid stories, Mm -hmm. solid acting, especially by females, especially in the 50s. You didn't have that in the 50s. Oh, this is tough. And you got Vincent Price in one. I mean, oh, it's even though even though he's in a a co-starring role, I think I think Creature is going to win. I think Creature 
is the superior film of the two, but it is close. Yeah, it's it's almost, I think we're at hair's length here. And me, uh, man, it's difficult. I do think Creature's going to take it. I mean, iconic, you got my favorite Universal monster. Yeah, I think Creature's going to take it. As much as it pains me to say, I think Creature has this. And Derek, Derek doesn't look at it as any pain at all. Derek looks at it as a foregone conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know, Derek, you're not into we, we know what movie you would pick. It's, yeah, we all know. <laughs> if you pick the fly over the creature, Derek, there would be people, have, if they were listening and were driving their car, accidents would be happening on exactly. the road. <laughs> exactly. So, Derek, Derek pick would- creature so we don't cause car accidents. <laughs> The earth would fly into the sun if Derek didn't pick Creature. Yeah, so, yeah, Creature, for sure. Now, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman versus the Curse of Frankenstein. I can tell you this, a Frankenstein movie is moving on. (laughs) I'm I'm obviously biased. I'm going to say Curse of Frankenstein. What do you think? I'm going to have to go with Curse of Frankenstein. I love Christopher Lee. I know he's not in much, and I also love Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing is just everything in that movie a mm-hmm. tour de force yeah so it's it's a v it would be the curse of frankenstein but that that to me is going to be with the listeners that's going to be a close matchup this will be close with the listeners for sure that would be interesting because i know a lot of people grew up with frankenstein meets the wolf man before they saw curse of frankenstein so that that might have uh, something to do with it but my money curse of frankenstein but it will be close all right now now, this is interesting because we have Dracula and you and I split on the next movie, but we're going to go with your picks because you're the expert for the region. So, <laughs> okay. So, Dracula versus It, the Terror from Beyond Space. You know, when we were talking about Rainy Day movies, yep. I would watch It, the Terror from Beyond Space before I watch Dracula. I'll say that. <sighs> However, if you put them on a scale of importance, <sighs> To the genre, Dracula, hands down. I agree with you in that analysis. I think Dracula it might be considered a superior film, but I'm going with It the Terror from Beyond Space as a favorite. Yeah, I, It the Terror from Beyond Space it will be my favorite. However, I think Dracula will take it. Do you disagree? Well, I, I agree with you. Dracula's going to beat it. I yeah. wouldn't. I don't want it to beat it. Just like I don't want 25. <laughs> I want it to go against 20 million miles to Earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can want a lot of things. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I agree with you. I think Dracula will be the one that the um, the listenership will move through, which I actually do want because it'll set up that future matchup, possibly. Yes, yes, yes exactly. <laughs> which will make them tear their hair out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That puts oh the, oh man, this doesn't get easy. Horror of Dracula versus Gidra, the three headed monster. Wow, we're we're really picking them, aren't we? Um, <laughs> Two totally different movies. <laughs> totally different movies, for sure. Well, what, what are your first thoughts? What are your first thoughts? I'm a kaiju man. I'm a Godzilla fan. It's obvious for me. If, if I'm picking favorites, I'm going with Gidget the Three-Headed Monster all the time because it's just a fun mm-hmm. watch. I love Horror of Dracula, but, yeah. but we're talking favorite films. I think we're going to get the same result as you and I did when we talked about Dracula and Hit the Terror for Beyond Space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, so, I mean, you say Three-Headed Monster is your, your favorite, but what do you think will win? I think Horror of Dracula is going to win. I think 
too, but I'm going to say Horror Dracula is my favorite in, in this too. So my personal favorite, and I think it's going to win. Which is good for so. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, but you're, you're, you're much more of a Hammer fan than I am. You're much more of a Kaiju fan than I am, so there's that. Okay. So, Creature oh, from the Black Lagoon. Still in the lead. Goes against the curse of Frankenstein. Damn. <laughs> I told you, it doesn't Damn. get easier. It only gets tougher. And you know what's yeah, coming yeah. up after this one. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm afraid to, to keep going. Um, wow. Wow. Both films, I mean, Creature and Curse, any other film would quake in their boots as soon as they saw that film coming down the street. But when you put these two titans together, it's tough, Stephen. I think Creature's going to take it with the fans. Although I personally prefer Curse, I think Creature's going to take it. For example, you show the average Joe on the street a picture of Creature from Black Lagoon or Christopher Lee as the Frankenstein monster. I think Creature will be more recognizable. Would, would you agree to that? I agree. And also, let's put another way of looking at it. Which one has more screen time as the monster? True. I think Creature, people, I could be wrong. I'm thinking that Creature has more screen time than Frankenstein does in The Curse of Frankenstein. I think you're right. The Frankenstein, uh, the monster Frankenstein. Please don't get upset with me because I called Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can already hear the, them making the torches and, you know, the, the pitchforks. But um, I think you're right on that because we do see the creature, but well, when I say the creature, I mean Frankenstein creature and not the creature from the Black Lagoon. I think you're right with this. Might be wrong, but I think Creature's going to take it. This is too intense. I don't know if I can take this. You know what's next? We have Dracula with Bela Lugosi versus The Horror of Dracula with Christopher Lee. One of the mm. age-old debates for the last 60 years. <laughs> Which yeah, exactly. Dracula was better, Christopher Lee or Bela Lugosi? <laughs> I feel like Renfield. I'm going to start going crazy. <laughs> I was giving the Lugosi Dracula a lot of breaks here, giving him... He took out, what, Curse of the Werewolf? Hit the Terror from Beyond Space. Hit the Terror from Beyond Space. Yeah, I think I think Christopher Lee has this one. Don't get me wrong. Lugosi and Lee, I mean, you really shouldn't compare them. But as films, I will watch Horror of Dracula over Dracula any day. I mean, that's the same thing with, like, Hit the Terror from <laughs> Beyond Space. I'll watch that over Dracula. The, the 31 Dracula for me is a little tough to get through. I think it's very stagey in the second half. I think a lot of people agree with me. Because it is, it's basically them filming the stage play. Whereas Horror of Dracula, we got the music, James Bernard's music, that bombastic music. We got blood, we got nightgowns, we got, you know, Melissa Stribling. Yeah, Horror of Dracula. What do you think? I'm going with Horror of Dracula for kind of the same reasons you did. But yeah. there was a huge difference that you did not mention. The Van Helsing difference. Oh, God, yeah. Well, that's, that's <laughs> just, you know, common knowledge. I thought everyone would know that. Yeah. Two totally different Van Helsing. I mean, well, they're yeah. totally different Draculas, totally different Van Helsings. Yeah. I mean, you have an action hero, Van Helsing. But yeah, Edward Van Sloan and, and Peter Cushing, I mean, you shouldn't compare. Like you said, they're two different movies, two different characterizations. But for me, I will watch Horror of Dracula on a loop. But, but what do you think the fans? Do you think the fans will be with us? I think Horror of Dracula will be the one that gets out because it's favorites. Rewatchability. Yeah. Yes. Is what I'm looking for when I when I pick favorites. Everybody's a different definition, but you and I, I think, agreed. We're talking yeah. about rewatchability, ones you could stick mm -hmm. in and just enjoy. And Heart of Dracula, it just gets your pulse up. It pulls you in. And yeah. 
I've watched Dracula with my son Ben, and there's parts where you're just like trying to let's go. You know, it's let's like, come go. on, let's move. It's it's uh, come on, come let's on. Pick the pace up, people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some people really go for that. I mean, the the, the very slow, the, the the lack of music. I mean, there's, I'm positive there are people out there who prefer that. So I'll be interested to see. But I, I do I do agree with you. Horror Dracula, I think is going to say. All right, so we're going to put Horror Dracula into the next round. In order to get to the Frightful Four, the creature from the Black Lagoon has to get through Horror of Dracula. They're the last two movies left in this region. Wow. The South really, you know, throwing us curveballs here. Two iconic films. Definitely iconic. This is, this is a tough one. This is, this a-, is a tough one. <laughs> Me personally, I will vote for Horror of Dracula. But I think Creature is going to take it. I think, cre- think? think Creature's going to take it, too. But this could be the closest Creature comes to an upset. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and I would not be surprised if it did get upset. I mean, we're talking yeah, great mean, movie yeah. versus great movie. We're not talking, like, um, some really bad <laughs> Billy the Kid versus Dracula versus yeah, Creature. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think Creature will take it. I'll vote for Horror of Dracula, though. What would you rather watch? Horror of Dracula or Creature from Black Lagoon? It's like, I'm going to watch a boat. Don't, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> so, yeah. Creature's going to take it, but I'll, I'll vote for Horror of Dracula. And, like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if Creature gets upset. I know Derek would be very upset if that happens, but <laughs> but that's life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an, it, and if Creature goes down, it's an honorable loss. The Horror of Dracula, I mean, anything is worthy to bow out in comparison to Horror Dragon. So that's what I wow. keep t- that's what I keep telling Derek about the rally awards from nineteen fifty four when he lost to Godzilla. I said it was yeah, an exactly. honorable second. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes. Wow. You have from the South region, Creature from the Black Lagoon making it to the Frightful Four. Yeah. Now you have I'm not gonna ask you to break down all the movies in the other regions. Okay. But I did give you a little time to look them over. Who do you yes. think is gonna come out of the North region? Looking over these, there's some great stuff. Oh, and cat people. I have a very soft spot for cat people. I think Bride of Frankenstein is going to take it. All right, so you got Bride of Frankenstein advancing into the Frightful Four from the North region. Or, yeah, North yeah. region. Now, if you slide over and look at the East, the King Kong yes. region. Yeah, it's, oh, man, because you got King Kong. I mean, obviously, how can you fight the king? Invisible Man, The Mummy, The Christopher Lee Mummy, Thing from Another World, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Jeez, these are films I put in, like I said, in my top ten. And you can even have King Kong versus King Kong. You have King Kong versus Godzilla as a movie in there. (laughs) Oh, oh, wow. I think King Kong is going to take it. My vote, Thing from Another World. I love that movie. Both of them are just perfect movies. In my estimation. But I think King Kong is going to take the East. I think most people will figure out who I have coming from the West. Without me having the, I think I gave that one away. Lon Chaney one versus Dracula Prince of Darkness. That's a tough one for me. Jeez, you got the Wolfman here. Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. You have Nosferatu in there. Oh. Um, yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I think Godzilla is going to take it. My personal vote. You got the Blob in here too. And Brides of Dracula, wow. Like I told you, I, every region is tough. <laughs> yeah. Godzilla's going to take it. I think Cheney Phantom would get my vote. That's me. That means you have projected that three of the top movies 
in the regions are going to make it through. King Kong, Godzilla slash Gojira, Creature from the Black Lagoon, and the only not top seed to get through is Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. Now, you'd have Bride of Frankenstein going against Creature from the Black Lagoon now. Out of those wow. two, who do you have advancing to the final matchup? Wow. Just give me a paper cut and pour lemon juice on it. Um, <laughs> Bride of Frankenstein. Don't ask me why because I don't have an answer. <laughs> if I had to pick between those two, oh, my Lord. Oh, my yeah. Lord. What would you pick? Oh, that is so tough. It really would depend on what mood I'm in. When I'm hitting the ballot, <laughs> if those two were going against each other, that is, that is that is how razor thin the margin is. So yeah. right now, I would say creature. When it comes time to voting, if those two end up against each other, I might be different than what you and I are saying right now. That's how close yeah. they are to me. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Right now, I'm saying right. I haven't seen it in a while. I've been wanting to watch it. So that's like the, the one thing that's influencing my decision. I've been wanting to watch it. So, yeah, right. Now, here's a matchup that I just love. King Kong versus Godzilla. <laughs> wow, I think, uh, I think that's already been covered in a movie. Uh... And they're doing a remake coming out soon in a year or so. That's right. That's right. But here we have the 1933 classic King Kong versus the 1954 classic Gojira Godzilla. You know where I'm going on that one. I think so. And I might have to go with King Kong for purely selfish reasons. I mean, just I saw King Kong before the original Godzilla. And so I'm a little biased. And I got to do a, a stage version of King Kong. So it, it, there's a special place in my heart for it. And I can't say that Godzilla doesn't have a special place in my heart. But yeah, for this one, King Kong. I would not be surprised if Godzilla took it with the fans. I mean, like you said, this is another razor sharp. And whichever, whichever one wins, I'm happy with. I mean, the, the, they both rightfully deserve it. Well, we'll go with your pick. You have King Kong. Mm -hmm. And you picked Bride of Frankenstein, correct? Yes. So, out of those two, who wins the whole enchilada? <laughs> I'm, I'm, have you pulled all your hair out yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have no hair left. Um, I've just been ripping hair, beard, mustache. I'm just like a naked mole, mole rat right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that's just an image. Where's the mole yeah, people? Right. Where's the mole people? <laughs> <laughs> Where's John Agar? King Kong versus Bride of Frankenstein. One, that would be a great movie to watch. I don't know how it would work, but that would be interesting. Wow. Are you leaning towards anything here? If it was me, I'd be picking King Kong. I look at King Kong as probably one of the most perfect monster movies yeah. ever made. Yeah. And the surprising thing is when you look at this, some of these movies we're talking about were made over 90 years ago. Yeah, yeah. No, it's very true. <laughs> I mean, how they just did it, I think it's because they had nothing to compare to. So many people nowadays, I think, when they make movies, they're trying to say, oh, we want it to be like this, like that. And they yeah. lose that originality where King Kong yeah. was just able to go totally on its own path with the technology they had, the special effects, the stop motion animation is just, oh, it's just one of my favorites. And I'll take that one over Bride. Just for the sake of disagreeing with you, I'm going to say Bride. Just for basic, you could probably say exactly what you said about King Kong and apply it to Bride. I think that's that's a perfect movie. It's funny. It's sad. It's touching. It's has fairy tale elements. It's Doctor Pretorius, Colin Clive, Karloff, Elsa Lanchester. It's just a blind man. Oh my God! I'll say Bride. Although I think 
King Kong would take it. Just ain't right, just say right. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think King Kong's going to take it. I mean, the tough matchup to me is going to be King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah. You know, which of those two gets through, I think, is going to win the whole thing. Now, Josh, I, I do know you want me to bring this up. You said you looked over all the 64 movies, and you were kind of upset that one movie in particular was not anywhere on the list, and you were kind of shocked by this. I, I was want to con- complain to some committee, the committee for why the Gorgon isn't on this list. I mean, you said there's 64 films. The movie The Gorgon came out in 1964. I mean, come on, guys. Let's. I mean... The mummy's hand is on here, but the gorgon is not. Who, who, who made this? What, what is this? What, who, who can I complain to? Who can I, you know? Did Russia? Is there Russian collusion on this? What, what's going on? I, I, I I'm, I'm upset. <laughs> that's, that's. I, I will start my own committee. I will do something, but the gorgon should be on here. You got Bryce Dracula front. I mean, that's fair enough. But I mean, really? Come on. The gorgon. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really upset. Gorgon's not on here, but. You know, I guess that's Frankenstein Conquers the World is on here, but not the Gorgon. No, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't you don't you start dissing Frankenstein Conquers the World. <laughs> I'm gonna diss Frankenstein Conquers the World till the day I die. No. <laughs> no, all of these films I mean it is it's hilarious to, to put them up against each other, but can you compare them to Island of Lost Souls? I mean that's, that's they're all great movies. I mean but it's it's, it's fun to, to put them up against each other.